Hello and welcome back to Bradley Radio. I am so, so excited to be releasing this episode. I've been so looking forward to this one. I don't know why it's taken me so long to edit it, but I've been listening to it back and I was crying with laughter. It's so good. So my guests this week are two really good friends of mine, Kamal and Mims. And I've actually been saying for the best part of a year to Kamal that I've wanted to have him on a podcast because at the time when I was setting up this show and recording that episode with my mum last year and thinking about who I would want to do podcasts with, it was around the same time as I started doing uh, amateur shows with Bromley Players. And uh, Kamal was um, someone that I bonded, bonded with on that show. And as I started to get to know him a bit more, I, I said to him, like, I'd love to get you on a podcast. And it's taken me like the best part of a year to actually set this up. And at the same time, in that period of time, I'd met Mims as well. And we managed to organize this sort of three-way conversation, uh, which is the result of what you're about to hear. So I think you're really going to enjoy this one. It's <laughs> It starts off with about four or five minutes of ASMR. So it's weird. It's It sounds more weird than it actually is. <laughs> but if yeah, if you can get past that and then we get into the meat of the show, I think you will find it absolutely fascinating um both Kamal and Mims were just incredible incredible guests we talked about all kinds of things obviously the idea was to talk um about Kamal's uh, journey what he'd uh, sort of all about him because that's what we originally planned I wanted to pick his brains and find out what was his story um so we talk um about all aspects of his upbringing what it was like going to I'm probably like the most prestigious or one of the most prestigious stage schools as a kid and what it was like being a child actor, being in the West End, being in that industry, attending a stage school um, like that and what it was like for him after that period of time um, when his career sort of dipped and then the his battle with who he was and, and coming out and just all sorts of things um, that we spoke about and he shares some absolutely hilarious stories from his time working at Disney. There is so much packed into this two-hour podcast. Um, so let's just get straight into it. Here's Kamala Mims and me. That woman who eats a pickle genuinely makes me want to throw really? up. Really? Yeah, Have you not seen it? Have you not seen it, Steve? No. <gasps> Don't watch oh, it. Oh, Don't oh watch yeah, quickly YouTube them. Do ASMR pickle. And she's a black woman. Like, you can't miss her. She's got bright red lipstick on. She's actually probably one of the biggest, most successful ASMR people on she, YouTube. She, like, started it. Yeah, she's pretty much... She does amazingly well. It is. It's disgusting. It's Is it the, is it the one with it. 27 million views? That's probably the one. Watch her. ASMR, this is what people love. Kind of go forward. Oh, who wants ASMR of someone eating? But what's all the build up? Weird, <laughs> what's all the build up? This? this is well because it's all part of ASMR. Like it, I find it quite relaxing. It I find some ASMR relaxing. I find eating and it's I've just revolting. I've always found the sound of food crunching. <laughs> 
like it's quite relaxing for me. No. Like the sound of an apple crunching, or this is not a problem. It makes you physically uncomfortable, like the dentist. <laughs> keep going, keep going until she gets it. There you go. Oh Jesus. I mean, I don't really like pickles anyway, so... I love pickles. But that, she, I've genuinely... She, she makes it look delicious. <laughs> oh, my God. That looks so freaky. Oh, my God. Oh, no, I don't like that. Here we go. Oh. Oh, this so is, it's it's making me cringe. I find disgusting. it quite relaxing. It's I find disgusting. it quite relaxing. I think it would be okay if I just had the sound, but it's, exactly. it's what's watching it's it and mm. then go. But there I can. Go. The, the one ASMR that I love is uh, hair brushing. Oh, okay. See, yes. there's the nail. The nail. Oh, really? Uh, it's just a sound of someone brushing oh. your hair, and literally, you just wear the headphones. Like your hair is not being brushed, but I just sit there. I'm like, this is very relaxing. Um, I just did it just then. Just. <laughs> Um, Jeffree Star, who is a makeup artist, has um, porcelain teeth and nails, and he goes like that, and they sound amazing. The sound of his nails hitting against his teeth. Why does he have porcelain teeth? Um, veneers, not porcelain veneers. Oh, veneers. <laughs> porcelain. It's really expensive. <laughs> <laughs> like the same material as your plate. <laughs> Like the little girl from um, from Shrek, like the little the little porcelain girl. Is it Shrek? Is she in Shrek? I don't know, I don't what, know what you're, you're talking, talking about. <laughs> oh, Alice in Wonderland. Where is it? Which where I is don't it? know. You do the little one that's broken. Like her feet are broken, and then he puts them back together. Um, uh, Great and Powerful Oz. Have you seen Great and Powerful Oz with James? Get closer. Uh, yeah, I think everyone I do. Everyone get closer actually. to yeah, this. So Hi. everyone get closer to the microphone. I see. It's oh, suspense. Uh, what about ASMR. tongue clicking as well? I hate. I hate that. It's been the bane of my life. No, so this is the worst. This is the worst. <laughs> is this going to be our podcast? It's just an hour of annoying noises. I mean, I've been recording for four minutes already. Oh, amazing. So. <laughs> Welcome to Steve's ASMR podcast, podcast where please. we are looking at sounds that annoy us and sounds that... everybody off. <laughs> I think my so, open that window. It's actually really hot. It is really hot. So out. hot. <laughs> so when you sit next to someone on a bus and they do this. Oh, I can't and they're not asleep. It. Yeah, it's just breathing. Just, just breathing, yeah. There was a, there was a guy like that in that the That was theater. me. <laughs> before my nose operation. <laughs> Did you have a nose up? Yeah. Oh, really? What well, was it I, I had a deviated septum. So it meant that I could only pretty much breathe through one nostril. Oh, wow. Life. That must... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, would have been, you would have been that guy that I sat next to you like, you go, what is this You're dude's like problem? Pug. With a tissue, just like... <laughs> A pug, did you say? <laughs> they can't like breathe. a bulldog, like a British bulldog. Like I sat when I went to see Amelia. The guy behind me was like, that. and I was like, I'm trying to enjoy my feminism experience. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> oh, it's no. just one of the worst sounds for me. Is the sound of someone breathing through their nose or mouth? It's really annoying. Okay, really aware of that now. Thanks. <laughs> right, let's. But get no, these. I have done that before, and you can't turn around and be like, "Can you stop breathing?" No, there are, no, 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 no. There are. It's absolutely fine. But I feel like, like there are moments where you'll be sitting watching a film or you'll be sitting in the cinema like the cinema or mm. the theatre and someone you, you can just it. hear it over and over again absolutely because I, I catch myself doing it sometimes and you then do that kind of clear yourself to then start breathing again normally but yeah. until obviously. that point someone's steaming next year like yeah <laughs> oh. 
But then obviously I then feel like an ass because if you've then got Steve's problem, like a deviated septum, was that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then then there's a condition, and I'm sitting there like you're an asshole, (laughs) (laughs) and you're trying to breathe through your one nostril, (laughs) trying to stay alive. I actually do. If if anything like covers my mouth, I panic because I genuinely can't breathe through my nose. Like I can, but it's so slow. I I feel like I'm slowly suffering. Maybe you've got a deviated septum. So it's funny actually as a smoker before I gave up I, 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 it was, I was always blocked and then you give up really? smoking and you realise actually do you know what maybe that was part of the reason was that mm. I couldn't I'm, my nose is clear now too much smoke in there been storing your cigarettes like your nose that was the problem <laughs> most people put them in their pocket not you Just no, ease of access straight up right out the nostrils Just like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay good excellent what an introduction hi Hi. So Hi. we've been trying to do this for the best part of a year. Uh, it started conversation with us at Sideshow, didn't it? It really? did. And that was uh, a long time ago. It was a while ago. So it's taken a little while. We have a special guest as well. You fucking... <laughs> All it took was one Mims to come along and you actually did it. What does that show? Okay, so it's we... the Steve show with Kamal and Mims. Let's just get that out there. Steve now. Show with with Kamal, and Kamal. Kamal. Mims and Kamal. Kamal and Mims. Kamal and Mims. Kamal and Mims. I can't get that high enough. Kamal and Mims. I'm trying to go back frantically, but I can't find it. I can't find it in there. I got the voice note. Yeah. Oh, no, where we battled it out. was actually really good. Well, actually, it's. I, I, why is everybody? Oh my god! That's what you sound like. It was. It was. It's the Steve Bradley show in the morning time. It's the Steve Bradley show in the morning time. Do, 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 theme tune it was catchy you and the thing is what most people didn't see here was both steve and mims were bopping along yeah. so i've got to say catchy. i gotta say it was a bopping so bopping it track. literally it's and what's been it stuck in little, my head it had a little procrustion man you crushed that procrustion <laughs> had a little procrustion it doesn't matter you procrustion you crushed it no so that's the that's the theme tune we've decided okay so as mims has come along later this show was originally intended to be all about you. All about, so much about All about me, but just it about was. musical theatre. I'm still willing to listen. It could be but like I'm all about Kamal and just Mims. Sometimes about Mims. Comes in for a little bit of yeah. I, abuse you, every now and again. You know? I feel like you'll get your moment. Yeah, you'll get your no, moment. I think my moment is probably just... Now. Taking the piss out of Kamal's no, listen, stories. I think it's not... No, I think it's... We, we're all... We've all been a part of the entertainment industry somehow. Yeah. We've all done something, so I'm sure we'll all have stories. Spotlight Mims, on you. Mims has been extras. Mims has been very unimpressive, oh. generally. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some extra stories that we've got to exactly. share. Exactly, we've in a all done bit. extras. I just... Dude. I'm a little bit older, and I've done some... A little bit. ...professional work. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, a little bit older, slightly older, just a couple of years. Yeah. So you can tell us what it was like performing in 1950? When the TV was black and white. <laughs> when it was just two people stood behind a cardboard box. And we used to get someone to film us and run to the live audience and act out what we just filmed. And then, yeah, and then we, uh, I said it was about 1967 before we realised we could do it live in front of the audience ourselves. Right. And that's how the sitcom was born. <laughs> 
So let's 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 go back. Let's talk about you. Okay. When did you kind of when? Because I know that you went to Sylvia Young, right? I did. But let's go before that. Were you like a? How was your birth? (laughs) What was it like exiting the womb? (laughs) It was a cold, stormy April morning in nineteen, and and I came sashaying out of my mother. No, my earliest memory of school was. Do I need to get closer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, My earliest memory of school was I was about five years old, and we went along to what I think at the time I don't really remember. Potentially, was an open day at Sylvia's. Um, That young? Yeah. Oh God, yeah. So. uh, did you have a stagey mum? No, I didn't. No, both my parents, um, like my so my dad was a builder, um, and my mum worked in a factory as a machinist. Oh, um, wow. But I think they could tell from a very early age when I came out sashaying out of my mum <laughs> um, that I was different, shall we say? Um, and at five, so we used to go on. Why would they have known at five? I don't know. I think I t- actually. I think my mum. If you speak to my mum, she'd tell you that people used to say to her. He should be a performer. You should send him to performance oh, really? school because I was quite outgoing. outgoing at five. I was very talkative. I'd no. speak to random people on the bus, and you know, back then we were allowed to do that. <laughs> it wasn't so weird nowadays. A five-year-old randomly striking up a conversation with the man, whereas nowadays you couldn't do that. But um, so yeah, I think my mum was was kind of decided that there was this stage school that everyone knew about in London. So, so where were you? Where were you brought up? Uh, South London, so I was brought up in Brixton. So was that near? I was born is that in near sort of... No, 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 not at all. So I was kind of South London, and my school was West London. So right. I would we'd travel up to go um, to this open day at Sylvia's. I just remember the, my earliest memory was sitting in the back of the car after we'd been to see. I can't really remember what happened in the school. I just remember sitting on the back seat with my head between the the two front seats my dad driving and my mum on the other side and just continuously repeating I want to go to that school I want to go to that school I want to go to that school really yeah. how old were you about five wow God. so then what then happened with Sylvia's was that you never get to go you join the school at uh, eleven but they have a Saturday no you don't you could I think you could join the school at seven if I remember rightly so they had like a junior version and then obviously you go into high school um, but they also had Saturday schools so you'd go right. down on a Saturday and you'd learn tap and you'd learn dance and all that kind of stuff um, and that's where I started I started at the school on a Saturday going every Saturday um, spending all my weekends basically training as a little kid oh my god and then at eleven I I got into the school and went, yeah, started going to the school. So you were there already for six years with that point. Yeah, so I'd already at Sylvia's as kind of like the Saturday kid for about, was it six years? God, it's so long ago. Um, it was for a while. I remember having to, I couldn't go any earlier because I'd, I was already at school in South London and they would, they, I don't think they wanted to take me out. Right. But also financially it was quite expensive. So my yeah, parents were sort of sorting themselves out. Wow. And I remember at one point my parents couldn't afford it anymore. It was really expensive and they couldn't afford it anymore. And they went to Sylvia and told her they were going to take me out of the school. And bless Sylvia, she was like, no, 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 we want to keep him in the school. So I ended up, from what I can remember, I ended up paying my school fees through work that I did so my parents never paid for my school fees I ended up paying you did work for them so I, so with Sylvia you would child work. labour yeah basically <laughs> yeah, it's child labour um, but no so we would work professionally while we were at school right yeah 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 because we it was a stage school so whenever you saw stuff like live and kicking <laughs> I'm just going to go all the way back now love do you it. remember live and kicking Andy Peters oh yeah, yeah I remember it well live and kicking yeah. <laughs> where they were live and they kicked stuff yeah. <laughs> so live and kicking because Mims is like a child was the earlier version of CDU 
or the earlier version. You don't remember that, do you? <laughs> <laughs> I fucking hate you so much. <laughs> it's like CD, Saturday yeah. morning TV programme. Saturday SMTV morning Live. SMTV, SMTV Live. Live. Do you remember, remember that? SMTV Live? Remember so SMTV hang on, if you remember SMTV Live, how do you not remember CD UK? They, I was they young were together. SMTV Live. They were, CD they UK were was together. on after they were on, SMTV Live. So SMTV Live and CD UK were both Ant and Deck and Cat. Yeah. Oh, were they? Yeah. So CD UK was the music version, Yeah, it was right? on at like 11. It was yeah. like... See, my, what I actually remember, remember watching is like T4. Yeah, so, okay, imagine T4. Okay. It's kind of like that, but it's Loads had... more better. Yeah. So it's more better. It was loads, 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 loads more, much better. Yeah. Lo- loads more, much better, hence why. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, so it was Jamie Thixton. Do you remember, do you know Jamie Thixton? Yeah. Mm. So Jamie Thixton and Emma, what was her name? Emma, Emma, no, 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 I'm going to get this. Don't Google it. He's Googling it. <laughs> it was Jamie Thixton and Emma. Oh, it wasn't. Who, oh, was it not? Hold on. Is it Jamie Thixton? No, 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 no. Because they used to. They do something now. Oh, what's her name? Was it? Can you find out who? who, who Zoe Ball. Zoe Ball. Of course it was. Emma. (laughs) Emma Rowey Ball. Emma. Emma, Yeah. So Zoe Ball. No. Who was the other one I was thinking of? Emma. No, no, there was another one. Okay, doesn't matter. Um, so all of a lot of those kids that you'd see in there, um, if you were dancing on top of the pops, all of that kind of stuff was from my school. Really? And at the same time, a lot of the the West End kids, so the Gavroshes and the and the um, uh, what's her face from Les Mis? I don't. The younger one, not Epony, the other one. Fontaine. Corset. Yeah. <laughs> so they were all they were all kids from my school. Um, so we would be working through our education and I was able to pay for my school fees that way so Truth. I was quite busy as a child so what that's really nice of her yeah I'm yeah. quite lucky and considering like it's still big now but back then it was super big yeah so like that's they could have had like anyone yeah and they did I mean the people that you. came out of my school while I was there you know you're talking people like Emma Bunton was in the school that when I was there oh really obviously a few so years above me um, not for that bit <laughs> Denise Van Outen um so they all went there too yeah so what what stuff did you do between like those early years like god so i did a lot i did a lot of west end stuff so i was in um south pacific was my very first show at the um prince of wales theater in london um i did children of eden i did were you one of the two two kids in in south pacific yeah Yeah. i was jerome yeah yeah yeah. wow yeah and that was again the memories of like being on stage it just was insane it must have been that to be my life at the time do you know what I mean running on stage as an, as an eight-year-old or nine-year-old did you do... have any kind of concept of what you were doing was it just fun or was it did you so know how no, big it was? I don't think I was it's funny because when I look at kids now mm. um I, I realize how kind of away with the fairies I was a little bit when I was younger I don't think I really grasped what I was doing how how big it was um yeah. But then I think a lot of that comes from as well that my parents were so... My mum was so adamant that she wasn't going to have this little diva in the household. And I think at the time we were around a lot of stage mums. So you'd have the conversation. You'd you'd have mums sitting around. That's why I love my mum. You'd have mums sitting around. My kid did this. My kid did that. And my kid was, was, you know, with this person. And they were on the advert with this person. And my mum was the mum that was like, do me a favour. Shut up, all of you. (laughs) That was my mum. And it almost got to a point where people realised that um, that my mum wasn't the mum to, to kind of chat with because she wasn't into that. But also, and this is going to make me sound like a dick, they also knew that she had a son that was quite talented. I was lucky because I got a lot of work. Yeah. Um, and it used to, you used to have, it's weird, you used to have mums that, that would try and t- get my mum to take me out of the school 
because it would mean that their child... I mean, it was... Have you ever seen an episode of Dance Moms? No. Oh, like, if you watch it's Dance horrible. Moms, it's, it's awful. And it it's is. Really and that's horrible. literally what it was like. And thankfully, I was really lucky that my mum wasn't that person. So I think because I was so massively grounded by my family, I didn't really have a concept of how potentially what other people see as quite a big thing yeah and it, it meant that you didn't have an inflated ego either right it came believe me it came, but well, it's here age, now it's alive and kicking <laughs> <laughs> uh, at that age i didn't have a, a massively inflated um, inflated ego so when i was doing um the shows um it was just a it's just a show i just turn up i'd do my job and then i'd go home and you were doing school at the same time doing school and and working at the same time yeah wow yeah. was that it sounds like it was really busy. Your childhood was really, really busy. Yeah, it was. It was. It was my childhood. It was just I didn't see it as anything other than it's what we did. Like mm. I said, we used to go to so we'd go to school and we'd we'd Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday was academic day, so we'd do everything from science, math, English, you know, build up towards our GCSEs, and then Thursday and Friday would be the days that we would train. So we'd do our dancing, our drama, our singing, all of that kind of stuff. Had two different uniforms, so I would go oh, really? on a Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday in full school uniform, so blazer, jumper, shirt, tie. And then on Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, Thursday and Friday, we'd be in tracksuit. So we'd have our Silver Young tracksuit on. Wow. And then we'd go in and we'd do our training. Um, and that was, the, that was my life until, you know, from like 11 to 16 at school. And then obviously from five years old when I was doing the Saturday classes. Yeah. Um, so what was it like? When did it turn from 11 onwards? Did you still work in town? Do you still continue yeah, to get so work? Yeah, so I was still getting work. Um, a lot of extra work on EastEnders, the bill, um... I did a lot of presenting through the school. I did... God, I should have bought my bloody national record of achievement. I did the Royal Variety performance. with. It. So, again, what we had what at school... I, well, so we used to... Sylvia's, at the time, again, was a big stage school. So they were really well known. So they'd, we'd do cabarets, we'd do shows. That were, uh, Sylvia would get the kids together. And obviously, they had dance teachers, all that kind of stuff. We'd put together a big show. So at the Royal Variety performance, we did a big number from um, Anything Goes. I also did Oliver with Ron, Ron Moody, who was the original Fagan. Wow. Um, so we did um, Pick a Pocket, which was at the Rotherite performance. Um, I've oh. still got my invite to meet the Queen at the end. You know, you line up and you meet them at the end. So, yeah. they so were, you, you met the Queen? Met the Queen. Yeah. Got her to record that, uh, do that stamp of approval, the letter. Well, there you go. <coughs> so that's how it goes. I've literally still got the invite where I've been called and invited. My name. So it's amazing. Um uh, what else did I do? I did loads of stuff. It's it's difficult now as older to think, and it's mad because at the time you didn't have means of recording it or you didn't have mm. the YouTubes and you didn't have that kind of stuff. So I was very reliant on photographs and very reliant on, like a, at the time, v, VR, VCRs and stuff like that to record. Yeah. So you'd record it off the TV, but obviously as years go on, they get damaged sure and they get lost. It. I have still actually got a video on my loft. Unfortunately, it was broken by the, the video player, so it snapped. But on that video is a show that we did for Sylvia's called Bloomsbury to Broadway. And it has pretty much everybody on there. Denise Van Outen, Daniela Westbrook, really? Ella Bunton. They're all on there doing this big show. And um, oh. I can imagine the quality would be terrible. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I wonder if you could go get it fixed somewhere. I, I'd love to. It would be good because it's all on there. Even my brother, who hated it, um, was forced into it by my mum um, <laughs> and was just the complete opposite of me. Hated every minute of it. Um, he's on there as well. Yeah, so it it was a good school. Did it did it change in eleven to sixteen your mindset on it? Did it because as you get older and puberty hits and stuff like that? Oh. What happened is that you get this inflated ego because you are working in an industry 
Um, Do you have that sudden self-awareness of, oh, yeah, I'm doing something I'm actually doing is... something quite important here, yeah. yeah. And, you know, then you'd be around people that were like that a little bit. Um, and it was such a mix of people. You know, in some schools, it's always weird. There's almost like a class thing. So if you are in inner cities, the, the chances are that 90% of the students in that school are from the same background. So there's an understanding of kind of living within your means and then if you go into somewhere like you know the upper class levels of school everyone's in the same whereas at Sylvia's there's such a mix of backgrounds Mm. so I was mixing with people that you know lived in big houses and parents did amazing jobs versus people who had the same background as me so there was kind of there was never an idea of I mean you always knew in school who was slightly better if you like and I did that in inverted commas you know in, someone's in terms of money t- oh okay no never in terms of class pictures. I was always talented <laughs> in terms of class yeah so I remember going to my friend's house for dinner and their dinner was lobster <laughs> and to me that was something completely different do you know what I mean but to them it was the norm it was literally just sitting out on the Imagine. side yeah and the house was amazing do you know what I mean and that was my friend at school whereas you'd so come to fancy. my house and my mum's keeping you toast. That's <laughs> <laughs> what you're having for dinner. Hey, so, don't knock your mum's roast. No, no, no. My mum, I mean, my mum's a it's mean cook. Don't get me wrong. Did you say roast? I thought you said toast. No, no, no. I said, <laughs> not good toast. I said toast. Yeah, no, I know you said oh, toast. Yeah, yeah, I said toast. <laughs> um, Some jam on toast. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy. We ran out of jam. <laughs> so there's so ketchup toast. instead. <laughs> So, um, yeah, 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 it was, it was uh, by, by kind of 16, you had this inflated ego. And obviously at the time as well, I was quite not successful, but I was working. I was always getting work. Um, but it started to die down a little bit at 16 as I started to leave the school. And then, yeah, and then it all started to turn a little bit because I was told, I won't say who, but I was told by someone at the school that I should man up a little bit. Really? Yeah. And I mean, this is the dark side of stage school. The dark side okay. of stage school is that they are very because they've got an idea of industry perfect or industry norms they try to fit you in that box so if you're male and you're a little bit camp obviously bearing in mind nowadays gay is the way you know yeah. so it's probably not it was probably not be a big issue yeah but in the 90s you know you were looking people were leaving my school and going into boy bands and because we yeah. said this before you said you'd love to be in a boy band and i was like i was yeah, never right for a boy band it would have been amazing but you wouldn't you wouldn't have come out for years yeah, years and years weird, after yeah. you actually they wouldn't did have wanted they wouldn't have, yeah but they then you've got to remember because at the time it was it was all the rage everyone was going into boy bands and that was literally at the time you were like well i don't understand why i couldn't be in a boy band mm. and obviously the more you think about it the more you're like well obviously because you were massively camp and openly not openly gay but obviously you, yeah. you weren't the, the most masculine guy so you'd have you would have teachers walking around as girls were eating their breakfast in the morning and they'd be ca- calorie counting to the girls do you know what i mean what? Really? watch how much you're eating there and yeah oh yeah it was all of that kind of stuff you'd be told to lose weight or you'd be told to man up or you'd be told and that's the dark side of stage school but that was because they were trying to fit you into the industry norm yeah what they didn't tell you and you found out when you leave at 16 is nobody in the industry wants fucking stage school kids <laughs> as soon as you come out the the industry are like you've had stage school training no we're good thanks really because they think that you've been too groomed yeah exactly you're too perfect too you know smiles and, well. and there's a very, there's a massive british problem really? like yeah you've got it's this so sense of difficult to work with well. so difficult to work with i mean it's almost what you say if you see someone audition now and you think they're gonna be difficult to work with you went bit stage school yeah, yeah. 
It's a term wow. of you are a brat. Yeah. Like, wow. You're just a bit too precocious was the word that used to be used quite a lot. Precocious. Precocious is a great word. And it's yeah. someone that is just a little bit... Entitled? Well, just over the top. And just to like, hi, ha, ha, you know, jazz hands, screaming, kicking, swinging. Yeah. I mean, we literally used to, if I think about our train journeys home would be on the Victoria line because I used to go to school in Marlebone. So you'd get the like 90% of students would get from Marlebone, the Bakery line to Oxford Circus and then get off and, and kind of go their different ways. So that train ride from Marlebone to Oxford Circus would be full to the brim of stage school kids <laughs> who all wanted to perform. And we would literally put on shows for people coming home from work. And on numerous occasions, people would literally be like, could you just shut up and sit down? And because we were a bunch of precocious little shits, it made no difference. We'd literally be spinning and kicking and singing show tunes. Do you know what I mean? Now, as a commuter now, I would literally be like, you know, you've been at work all day. You're absolutely shattered. You just want to go home. And all you've got is these idiot school kids singing, (laughs) flipping a song from Lame Ears. I dreamed a dream from Lame Ears. Do me a favour. Even even the professional ones. Like, have you seen the flight where the cast of The Lion King is there? And they burst in song. And I'm like, hmm, lovely to watch on YouTube. If I was on that flight... (laughs) I'd have kicked off. I'd have been like, I don't, I just want to sleep. Like, <laughs> so yeah, you, there, yeah. Were, there was the dark side of stage school, but it made me who I am now. Do you know what I mean? So leaving, upon leaving stage school, yeah. then... So I got dropped at 16. Yeah, so you got dro- dropped by the agency yeah. at 16. So you were with them as an agency. So yeah, it's weird, yeah. So they had an agency as well, okay. and you were signed to their agency. So all of the work I was getting was through their agency. And they, um, dro- they, and dro- they dropped me at 16. Um... Is Why? That did they say? I was told that um, they just couldn't find me work, which is weird because I was working fine all the way up until I left the school. I don't know now thinking about it whether it was a because I probably didn't fit the norm and they found it difficult to get me work, or whether also there was a financial thing to it as well that probably because my parents couldn't afford it. Right. There mm. was maybe they couldn't they weren't making enough money off of me i don't know i didn't i didn't at the time i didn't really think about it at the time it was it was devastating um because at the same time i left school at 16 with this idea that i was going to go to arts educational yeah. arts ed, and it was the only place i was going that's where i wanted to go mm-hmm. um and, I, and when i didn't get in it was the most devastating thing ever i really? hadn't tried any other schools i just didn't get in so at 16 you hadn't auditioned anywhere else no it all came <sighs> crashing down like there was that was it I was back in the big bad world and I didn't have an agent and I wasn't getting work and I couldn't go to school I wanted to go to. So I really had to think about what I was going to do. I came out of school having spent six years having speech lessons. So I came out speaking just, I can't explain it. I I dotted the I's, I crossed the T's. I, you know, I didn't drop a single letter. I spoke perfectly. And, um, but I also lived in Brixton. (laughs) <laughs> which was the most at the time just the most urban area so I left school and people I would literally get from people around my area why do you talk like that like what are you talking like that for do really you know what I mean? What's the and how did you talk well I can't I just I, it's, it's long gone I spoke like mims <laughs> spoke like me yeah, just <laughs> perfectly well just I very, do speak perfectly <laughs> very good English you're quite correct so what I ended up doing which I massively regret now is dropping started to drop this you started to lose it I, because I never I never I was never comfortable with who I was um, until I was in my probably early 30s really up until then it was a massive struggle with who I was mm-hmm. um, so I would always do what I could to fit in and at the time because I no longer had that background I was no longer going to the school and I was no longer around those people I was around what I call the normal people yeah did you have um, friends outside of stage school then 
not friends just people i mean when i think about it now they were never friends we just it was just people around my area and it was is that because you have a new caliber of friends like me now and you just think oh just, none of those people compared before just, re- just relax yourself mate yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so fishing, um, fishing. i i left school i ended up funnily enough going to lewisham college um which is where i did just the most pointless BTEC in performing arts and where I met Ian Chapman. No way. Yeah, so me and Ian went to college. Oh my God, you, guys you hated each other, didn't you? You didn't get on? We didn't hate each other. We were frenemies. frenemies. So we were friends, but we just weren't really friends. But we'll come back to Ian in a minute. But I left and went to Lewisham College and I genuinely think, I say it was the best thing for me, but it grounded me because I went from an environment where you could say what you wanted and you could be as bitchy as you wanted and there would be no consequences to an environment where if you were that person, there were consequences. You'd get beaten up or someone would, would have an issue with you. I went from Sylvia Young Theatre School, this amazing London theatre school, to Lewisham College, which was full to the brim of real people. Right. So in a way, it kind of grounded me and it also taught me that where I had come from was very fake. There was a lot of fakery in that industry and, mm. and there still is, even now. You know, yeah. you've got to be a certain way and people, uh, there's a line from Chicago that um, Velma says to Roxy, which I think is, just perfectly sums it up, is that they, we work in, um, I don't know it word for word, but we work in an industry where, like she says, we hate each other and she, like Roxy says to Velma, we hate each other and Velma says, we work in an industry, we work in the own industry where that doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter that if you hate your colleague, mm. you can still work together and create an amazing show. The show must go on. Yeah. Whereas in a, in a normal environment, you'd probably stay away from each other or unless yeah. you, you know, we're forced to work together. So artificial, isn't it? Yeah, it's a very artificial. And whereas I go to Lewisham and it's actually quite real and people were, would tell you if they were pissed off or people would tell you. Must have been a shock to the system. Massive because, shock to the system. you know, up until then all your life pretty much I was living in the west end i was do you know what i mean it's that yeah. kind of lifestyle and yeah so it was a bit of a shock to the system but obviously as i settled into it it was fine it made me who i was but also the the downside to it was that i'd lost a lot of my training I, you know i didn't speak as well and, and it was all to do with trying to fit in i then tried to i then had to find my own work so I, I was I still wanted to perform, but mm. thankfully at the time you had like the stage newspaper yeah. where you could go to open auditions. And any work that I did from 16 onwards, I found myself and I was really lucky. So really? the presenting for CBBC and I, I, I managed to get an audition at, for ITV at the time as well. Um, how, how did you get those? All open auditions. Just so I'd send up. videos or I'd turn up on the day and it's weird because... I still had self-confidence. I was yeah. still massively confident in who I was and my ability. So if I was going to dance auditions, I would be at the front of the dance audition. I wouldn't be Karen in the back. Yeah. And I think I wasn't a wallflower, so I was easily spotted. And I think it was, it was to my benefit. I got quite lucky. So I would always still get work. And then <laughs> the sexuality thing started. And I, w- I always knew I was quite different. But I didn't know how to handle it. So... I had this battle of wanting to perform, but also trying to fit in where I where I grew up and the boys around that area starting to realise that I was a bit different and would obviously mock me and, and, and say the stuff that you don't want to hear when you're that age. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So everything, it was such a weird mix of stuff that it just became a bit like, how do I explain it? I just was, I was just almost existing, but not being. So I was doing all of this stuff and I was lucky to, to work and, but at the same time, I'm fighting against these boys in my area and, and trying not to be 
who they say I'm being. So it was a really weird mix of not really knowing who I am, but also trying to pursue an industry where you have to be self-confident and self-assured. Yeah. So it was just this weird mix of... Two different, like, culture clashes where you yeah. have to fit yourself into the box but it's, or both. Yeah, but it's yeah. also funny because if I think about... Whilst I was successful, why I didn't elevate to the next level within the industry is because I feel like now, when I think about it, I was going into these jobs and these auditions and I was being something that wasn't true. And in an industry where it's really weird because where it's massively fake in an industry this industry it's also an industry where you have to be your true self mm. in order to be successful yeah um, and, and I feel like I was going in front of people who could 100% read me straight away but I wasn't being the genuine person yeah. that yeah. I should have been in order to succeed in that industry so I was going in there trying to pretend I was something else yeah. I mean there's a video of me <laughs> Um, in the process of, of making it which was the CBBC show it was almost like an X Factor style show to search for a BBC presenter yeah and um, I look at that video and I've got a shaved head that's been cut to like a perfect do you know what I mean I was wearing Adidas tracksuit I was talking like this and I just it, it's cringy because I'm just like I don't know who I am That who is that guy do you know what You're I mean called Kem I was called Kem I still am Kem people still call me Kem but yeah I no was <laughs> no one calls me come on come on um so yeah it was just this weird mix of not really knowing and at the time were you aware that you didn't know yourself or was it only now with the i massively back? ignored it i yeah right. i I, I, I blocked it out it was it and i'm talking about the sexuality thing like i yeah. had blocked it out i was all i knew was there was a massive negative connotation to it because all i ever got was negative energy about it mm. so i just wanted to shut it down did you feel that at stage call? Did you have any of that awareness at stage call? Because I imagine that that guys had more freedom to express. Mm. No, that at stage still. I, I still... remember. I, d- I never knew him. I remember there was a guy that came to our school who was openly gay, and I remember hearing people mock him. Really, at stage, even yeah, at stage school. Even at stage school. Yeah, yeah. Damn. Even at stage school. If I think about it now. I mean, it's funny because there were a lot of guys that left my school and are gay, obviously. But at the time, we were definitely not, or not that I knew of, they weren't, they were, no one was openly gay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The, the straight boys still kind of dominated the school. But yeah, there was just, it, at school it wasn't so much a problem because you kind of had other ways of, mm. I mean, there was always still this, this idea of me being gay kind of at school, but it wasn't really concentrated on. It was only as I left school and got home in the area. And I think it was because I was leaving that kind of environment and going into a, such a different environment I mean they are opposite upper ends of the scale yeah yeah um, and and these guys over at my normal life if you like they were used to going to a normal school dealing with normal people playing football all of that kind of stuff and I wasn't I didn't fit into that spectrum mm. um, so people it, I, was, I was easily I stood out whereas in school I might not have been the most masculine guy, but I was surrounded by boys who danced and boys who yeah. acted and boys who sung, mm. and that was the norm. So yeah. people didn't really pay much attention to it. So it's only after you left that you're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. these people don't like me. So, <laughs> so when you're working as you get older, when do you start being more comfortable to express who you are? That happened well after I'd stopped working. Okay, yeah, so massively. Let's, so let's. I, let's go to the like the time before you stopped working so you did so, cbbc yeah so i did um i did uh I, I went to making it and i got through the audition rounds there um that's an interesting story but i'll tell you that my to come back to you on that because that's quite a good story about auditions um finished making it i then did 
I, I managed to get a few more um, presenting jobs out of that. I went to a audi- an open audition in front of Arlene Phillips. Do you know Arlene Phillips? Yeah. yeah. For Dirty Dancing, the West End. Oh, this is oh, one okay. of my, I literally, it hurts me to tell this story because I feel like this is potentially where it all went wrong. No, it didn't go wrong, but this is where uh, potentially the path split and I went down the wrong oh, path okay. because I went to this audition. It was an open audition for Dirty Dancing. Massively excited. They were looking for male dancers and I was, uh, you know, still confident, still dancing, not a problem. It was at Pineapple, which I used to frequent all the time. So I felt comfortable there. It was home, no problem. Went to this audition, full to the brim of people, did this audition um and at the end they called out um the names of the people they wanted to stay behind i remember i was wearing a chain around my neck and it had a baby ring on it that i I, it was my first baby ring and i was standing there holding this baby ring in the middle waiting for them to say my name confident they were going to say my name and they didn't they said all of these other names and the only thing i can remember that sounded remotely like my name was kumar something right but i was like there was a load of other brown boys in there so who knows it wasn't right (laughs) now the problem i have um is that i was the sort of person that would if i didn't get through to an audition i would pick my stuff up and leave straight away there's no point in me hanging around i'm not sitting there talking to other people i literally i came to do a job i'm leaving so i picked up my stuff and i left okay at the time i'd only had a pay-as-you-go mobile because I was, I was mid-20s, um, and there were no, there were no credit on there because I was broke as fuck, <laughs> trying mm-hmm. to live a, a champagne lifestyle in a lemonade pocket. So I got on the train, and I was on my way back home, and my mobile rang, and it was at the bottom of my bag, and I couldn't find the mobile. So it's all happened at once. I'm in there trying to find this mobile. It's ringing, it's ringing, it's ringing, and I can't find it, and I miss the call, okay? Oh. So I then get left a voicemail. Bear in mind, I've got no credit on the phone, so I can't oh, call no. them back. So I, I listen to the voicemail and it is the choreographer from the Dirty Dancing audition. And they're like, um, where are you? You Because sp- what they did, when they called all the names out, it was a callback. So they were like, go away, have a break and then come back, these people. So they were like, where are you? You're not at your callback, okay? And obviously I went into panic mode. They were like, could you phone us and let us know what's going on? I obviously went into panic mode and was like, fuck, they must have said my name, but I didn't hear it. So I'm trying to work out what I'm going to do. I'm on this train that isn't going to stop. It's one way straight to where I live. There's no way of me getting off this train and I can't make this call. And I remember there was a guy in the carriage with me and I looked at him and was like, I need to ask you a huge favour. Is there any way I can use your mobile? I've just missed a really important call and I can't call them back. And thankfully, he was really nice. He gave me his mobile and I called them back. And by the time I'd got through to them, the audition had been done. I'd missed out and I couldn't get back to do it because they were doing it round by round and I couldn't get back in time to do it. What they ended up doing was offering me a second audition a good few weeks later. And I didn't make it through the first round that time. And for me, I'm just like, I don't know who it was. I don't know what happened on that day. All I know is that I should have been at the second round. I should have got... Because the second round was more fun. It wasn't so... Mm. It was just about your personality. It was, And I know I would have done well. I know I would have got through. And all I think about is the time that I potentially could have been in oh. Dirty Dancing on the West End. Oh, and I missed it sucks. because of them saying my name incorrectly, which is why I'm so weird about so people crazy. saying my name right and spelling it right. <laughs> because I've got this awful memory of Ow. like, of yeah, of Kamal, Kumar. It just wasn't my name. It wasn't my name. But, and yeah, the fact that it was in front of Arlene Phillips means that I was good at what I was doing. And yeah, so yeah, as, as disappointing that is, it's, it was kind of it's hugely validating though for you yeah. as your yeah. ability at the right? time yeah, yeah, at the yeah, time yeah. At, but obviously at the but time now sucks, you sit there but... and think is that where the path changed is that where it because after that it just I, I, I went to 
I went and worked in Disney for a bit and um, was dancing for them. Um, and then I came back and I still hadn't come out of the closet. I was now mid-20s, 25, 26. Really? You yeah, still- yeah, yeah. Still hadn't come out of the closet. So wow. I, there was still all of this kind of stuff going on inside my head. I was battling with who I was. I wasn't a massive guy. I was quite skinny. Um, I wasn't living the healthiest lifestyle. So by the time I got to about 28 or 29, I had lost who I was. I had no idea who I was. Um, and this is weird because you know none of this, do you? I knew oh, we've spoken some of about this. this. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'd lost who I was and the auditions had dried up and my confidence in my ability had disappeared because obviously I was battling with my sexuality and it was leaving me with no confidence. So I, the final audition that I went to was, um, I'd finished Disney and they were looking for dancers for Disneyland in Tokyo. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go for that. I went to this audition. There must've been about 60 people in this room of which 47, I'm going to get this right, 40, uh, 57 were girls and three were boys. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm not even joking, 100%. There's me and two other guys, okay? <laughs> what then happens is they split us into girls and boys. So there's three of you. So there's on three one. of us competing for this job, okay? <laughs> now, bearing in mind, I'm not in the right space. Now, again, a few years ago, I was good enough to impress Arlene Phillips. Um, at this audition, they asked us to do a like a scissor jump yeah yeah, so you kind of jump up and do a split and uh, they were like who wants to go first and both of those arsehole boys looked at me and stepped back and I was like okay looks like I've got to go first and I did it and fell to the floor (laughs) in front of a room full of people and it was at that point that my I think it was the last small piece of confidence that I had shattered into tiny little pieces in that room and they then, at the end of the audition, they called everybody up as to who got through and wanted to stay over. And I was the only one of the two boy, of the three boys that didn't get through. Oh, Once again, I picked my stuff up, left, and never went to another audition again. It's a nail in the coffin. That was it. Literally, that was it. And then, um, and then the next time I started performing was Legally Blonde. But wow. like, yeah, that could have been the, the catalyst that day. Dancing audition. It could have gone a totally different way. You could have been, you know, hugely successful and gone that, but it doesn't sound like performing was the kind of thing that was helping you be confident about no, who you were right, yeah, yeah. and you weren't comfortable. Like you hadn't come out in such a late stage. Like it could be that you might be, if you'd had gone down that path, it could be that you were now 40 still in the closet, trying to lead a completely different life. Married with two So kids. unhappy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You know, sort of starting to wind down work because as you get older, it's much more difficult to get dancing work in the West End anyway. Of course it is, yeah. And you could just be a completely different person and really hate yourself. It's funny because I do think now, if if I had, if I try, if I try to work my way back into the industry, I mean, it's, I'm never going to be the dancer on the West End. I get that. Do you know what I mean? But there's still work. I feel like nowadays there's more work for people like us, people Absolutely. like me, than there ever has been. And if I try to do it professionally now, I feel like there'd probably be a, a better level of success because I am massively confident massively assured of who i am and who my ability is and it's funny because mm. that's the guy you guys know you've mm. never met and never knew the guy before that so i do sit there and think to myself mm, i wonder could it be but you're right I, i'm not stupid i know that all of this has brought me to who i am now and it's the, the the funny thing is is all those things that you said like especially the phone thing it's like you couldn't have scripted that yeah 
it mm. happened like and there was yeah. nothing you could nothing do about it yeah. nothing so, i was meant to miss that audition exactly that's what i'm getting at. it's awful yeah but um, yeah. But, I, but it doesn't leave my brain it's it's always there do you know what i yeah. mean and even the seeing dirty dancing on the stage you're just like hmm. but for whatever reason i was meant to miss <laughs> or that it, like it could have been a totally different path it could have just been you did do dance on the west end and then went exactly back to where you were before <laughs> or it could have been that i got I, I got i got to the second round and didn't make it through do you know yeah. what i mean yeah, but yeah. it's the not knowing that's it's the killer do you know what i mean it's yeah. the not knowing but and that's a pretty good metaphor for life <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's 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 that basically let's um let's there's a couple of stories you said about the auditions the making it auditions so Sorry okay the making it audition um this is this is how honestly if there's anybody listening to this that is in that's young and in the musical theater and you know they want to be a performer and stuff like this you have to take the ball by the horns do not sit there and wait for it to happen so we there was this open audition um in the stage for a cbbc presenter and it was held at this place whatever i don't think they were ready for the amount of people that were going to turn up for this audition oh, right? really? so i remember we arrive and there is a queue going back as far as the eye could see of you know young teenagers you know, young 20 somethings mm. all believing that they can be a children's a kids tv presenter um so we're standing in the queue and at the time you know everyone's really buzzing they're all chatting away and they're telling each other stories about who they are what they've done where they train blah blah blah, 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 blah. and you know i'm front and center of all of that hello i went to one of the you know the top london stage schools i was the messiah in the you're queue telling, and you're <laughs> so telling like, everyone so that. yeah i trained at sylvia's and uh, yeah sylvia young's yeah, yeah you know that one um so anyway basically we're making our way through we're getting through we're getting through the queue's moving and i get quite close to the door that's going to enter into the building at which stage somebody comes out and says guys i'm really really sorry but we can't see anybody else like we're done we can't physically see anybody else there was an uproar people were shouting do you know what i mean everyone was really upset and they were like we're really sorry audition is done it's closed and they shut the doors on us right and I'm thinking to myself, no, no, this can't happen. Like, you know, I'm supposed to get this job. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and me and a few others kind of, you know, we sighed. We, we got really upset and we were like, there's nothing we can do. And so we started to walk away from the building towards the train station. And as we walk the side of the building, so you've got the front entrance, which is on one side, and we've walked down a, 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 you know, a side road with the uh, side entrance into the building. Literally, as we walk past the door, somebody comes out of the side entrance take the ball by the horns people we <laughs> grabbed that door and ran into that building so quickly there must have been about five of us really? ran into that building so so quickly no way and um and managed to honestly just in the just <laughs> the sneaky ninja moves literally just kind of shuffled our way into the queue of people waiting to be seen that's amazing um and to think <laughs> if i hadn't done that i wouldn't have followed on and so got, you got it oh, yeah yeah so literally made it made it got through the audition uh, rounds got through a second day of audition rounds um, and made it into the final ten. So the person that shut the door, you were near. Were you near the front? Oh, we were near the front queue. So yeah. the guy that shut the door was like, no, I don't think. I think there were so many people. There were so many like teenagers giving it to him that he wouldn't okay. have noticed anybody. Okay. Like, I don't think he even noticed. As far as he was concerned, we were part of the the people that should have been in there. Yeah. Um. I don't know. And again, I think at the time. The, the kind of they wouldn't have been as stringent as they are now with checking who's here to audition and stuff yeah. like that. You know, yeah, it was an open yeah. audition, so they were probably just hanging around. And yeah, made it all the way through to the top 10. Um, then got taken and put up in a hotel in London for the final rounds. Gosh, there's loads. Like, loads yeah, of rounds. Oh, loads of rounds. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, then, um, and then, yeah, we ended up in the, I ended up in the top 10. We ended up getting taken to a secret location um, and filming <laughs> live every day on, on CBBC for people to, to choose us. As, and I made it all the way down to the final five. I don't know where I, I placed 
I remember at the I didn't win, but at the end of the show, I went into um, what is it called? What's it called when you wear all the director sits and the people with the the thingies and the monitors in front of them? You know, in a TV studio. Screen, like yeah, green. Screen. Yeah, not the green room. The green room is where you wait. Like it was just like, like where, where, like, yeah, like, like where the, the director sits and like kind of said, watching the TV program. I managed at the end when kind of when the girl who won had won. She, I went into this little room to use a phone, and I was calling my mum. And on the screen, I had seen the li- the five of us, the f- our five names in an order with a percentage beside it, mm. and. Um, the two girls at the top and then I was third so I, I believe I came third I think I came third overall uh, but the point is I didn't win so you know well done Kamal you're the second of all the losers <laughs> <laughs> but the first of the boys yeah but yeah. the first so... loser of the boys well done so yeah so um, I didn't win it but it, I did it was a catalyst for like a couple of other jobs thereafter of like some dancey stuff and um, going backstage at Holby City and all of this kind of stuff. So yeah, it was. If you hadn't snuck in, I would never have done. Yeah, if I had not snuck in, who knows? Mm. I could. Yeah, I'd probably be still sat here. But <laughs> <laughs> nothing would have changed. But it no. was part of. A, it was part of the experience, and I loved doing it. So there's the other story that you need to tell. That I I don't know if it's as funny the third time round, but I think you're gonna have to tell it anyway. <laughs> Is this the, <laughs> it's uh, the Disney story? The Disney story. Oh yeah. So I I love Disney. I used to work for Disney. <laughs> um, in 2003 and was a dancer and a lot of character work and stuff like that and um it was probably one of the best summers i ever had um we had a lot of fun we got to dress up i mean come on you're 20 something you're dressing up as bloody disney characters running around a disney park for eight hours a day yeah i mean it um, sounds like hell but carry on yeah <laughs> are you kidding me we had early access to that park every morning before we go to work we would um sorry hang on every morning before work we would have access to the parks beforehand and so we would go to so there were two parks you had the magic kingdom no, magic kingdom is that what it was called for disney i've never been to disney have you no, not no, well. and then you had the studios disney studios and in the studios was the rock and roller coaster which was at the time a really fast roller coaster and we would go on that every morning before work so we'd we'd wake up tired we'd get on because disney was it had its own little bubble so you had your own transport you had your own like area that you lived in so we'd get the bus all the way into work we'd run into the magic king uh, into the studios jump on the rock and roller coaster fly around and wait like literally it was almost like our own cocaine do you know what i mean no, we'd wake wait. up and be like ah! let's do this we're ready and that plus um, the cocaine yeah it was really amazing <laughs> <laughs> once you did that line jesus you're good to go um so yeah we'd spend the day either you'd either have character work where you'd spend eight hours a day in character but it would be four hours it would be a uh, half an hour on half an hour off so you'd go on for half an hour and then you'd come off so really you were working four hours in an eight hour day nice and the other eight four hours were spent just sitting around eating pizza doing nothing talking shite with each other <laughs> or you were in the parade and the parade would be the morning parade the afternoon parade and the night parade so right. you would dance in those you all as a dancer you always wanted to be in the parade like you didn't want to do character work screw the character work i just want to do the parade nine times out of ten i was lucky to be in the parade but every now and again, you'd have to do character work. Um, and this time I was dressed as Eeyore. This is what you're saying, right? Yep. <laughs> so there's the Eeyore story and the Pluto story. Oh, I don't know if... I, oh, I think I've heard the Pluto yeah, story. Yeah, the Pluto story is not as funny as the Eeyore story. Oh, I, I prefer the Pluto story. Oh, do you? Okay, fine. I'll tell you the Pluto story in a minute. So the Eeyore story goes that I was dressed as Eeyore um, on, in the park and the people love Eeyore they love him he's just a big cuddly like, who doesn't? donkey I mean who loves cuddling donkeys but <laughs> so you would literally get tea things from the kids you, they would run up and hug you or they would want a bisou which is French for kiss like bisou 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 
Shut up. <laughs> um, so, no, I loved it. It was, I was so magical. <laughs> um, the one thing that obviously Disney wanted to make sure was that you never ruined the magic. So there was never any talking in the head. You were taught about Disney hands. You can were, talk. To no, no, God, no, of course just, not. Eeyore did you make talk? noise? No, what noise does Eeyore make? Oh, Eeyore does talk, but obviously we were never trained in the voices of Eeyore. So yeah, we can do it. That's a new level, isn't it? So literally, you'd literally, the only thing that you had to do, and this was this is the thread that ran through all the parks across the world, is that they have a big board. I don't know if I should be telling all of this. I could potentially be giving away all the secrets. But they have a big board. It's okay. I think this is an anonymous podcast, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> with Mims and... <laughs> it's the Steve Bradley show with Mims and... And Burmow. <laughs> um, they had a board that had every single character's signature on there. So if you were Cinderella, if you were Eeyore, if you were Tigger, you all had to make sure you signed the same. So you'd be uh, allocated your character in the morning. Okay. You'd then go over before you go on and you'd practice the signature over and over again. So that if you signed as Eeyore, you, every signature in all the parts was Eeyore. Signed it, come on. Literally. <laughs> oh, no, shit. Um... So yeah, so this day I was Eeyore and the, I suppose what you need to know about the Eeyore head is it's very, very long. So you put it on your head and the snout is, I mean, if I was, if I put my head down and put my chin to my chest, the head, the end of Eeyore's nose would probably be just below my rib cage. So it was very long. Wow. Yeah, it's it here. Which meant that obviously in order for Eeyore's head to be facing upwards at everybody, you would have to put your natural human head back. So you'd been looking up at the sky for him to be facing, for him to be facing forward, right? Yeah. But that would obviously then mean if you imagine as a head, you put the head on, there is just a big hole below. I'm trying to make sure I describe it correctly, <laughs> but there would just be this empty space between underneath it, underneath yeah, literally head. just this empty space of like nothingness, right? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I'm running in the park and people are running up and giving me a hug and give me a hug and give me a hug. Don't ruin the magic, don't ruin the the magic, Kamal. Don't ruin the magic, Kamal. <laughs> And this girl must have been about 12, I think. And she ran towards me. <laughs> I've got my head up, my neck's back, the eel, eel's facing forward. She's run up to me and she's given me a big hug. And as she's given me a big hug, she is the perfect height to slip somehow underneath the eel's head. <laughs> so that she, she then appears underneath eel's head, which now means I am face to face with this girl, human Kamal. <laughs> is face to face with this girl she stares at me I stare at her she looks like she, she looks like just the worst nightmare in the life and it just honestly I've never seen this poor girl's face is like there is a human inside this this animal I, and it all happened so quickly I literally grabbed hold of her head pushed her down at the same time I lifted Eeyore's head up off of her and kind of just turned and ran in the opposite direction <laughs> To just hear this girl going, Mum! Imagine, I bet she still tells this story. So I reckon she probably still does. She's, I mean, obviously, I, as she's, she's older now, she podcast. probably remembers. I'm yeah. bringing her in the next podcast. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the French girl that I ended wish, up. I wish there were cameras inside the heads. If you'd have seen her face go from, like, delight just sheer joy. to despair yeah. to terror. So like. I had no idea of what's going on. But it all happened so quickly. Like, it was click, 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 click. Hug, head, shit, face, down, out. Do you know what I mean? But it, it just, I can still visual, I can still remember this poor little, she had a, a bob haircut. She was blonde. I can tell you exactly what her face looks like because we were face to face momentarily <laughs> as I was dressed as Eeyore. And, um, and I, I never said anything to anyone. the lighting in there is quite unflattering as well. You probably look and terrifying. And sweaty. Sweaty. Like a light from the bottom to sort of, you know. Yeah. Sweaty like, as hell as well because obviously it was done. Really It's me, Eeyore. Like, Hello. <laughs> <laughs> you just went, Pizu. <laughs> 
I wish I'd thought of that. <laughs> so yeah, that was um, that's the eel story. I terrified this poor girl. Oh, um, it's still funny. Do you do um, do you do the faces? You know, like when the kids come up and hug you, mm-hmm. are you like. Are you smiling yeah, inside? Yeah, hundred percent. So if, if they're taking pictures of you, you as a, you are naturally smiling. Like you yeah. can see a camera, so you smile. Yeah, and you're just like, well, obviously I don't need to no, do don't that. No, need to at all. But uh, but yeah, you do naturally you smile. It's great. Oh, okay. uh, so that is the eel one. Tell the Pluto one. So I've got two Pluto ones actually. I've just. Oh. I don't think this is the one you're thinking of. Yeah, because you no? s- you did that, and I was like, oh no, I think no, it's that. Yeah, so I, the Pluto one I think you're talking about is the nose. Oh, yes. And the Pluto one I think you're talking about is the smashed... Um, yes, that's uh, what I'm going <laughs> okay. That's my favourite story because it involves destruction. Well, we'll do the nose first. So very similarly to what happened with Eeyore, um, Pluto, Pluto was known as a VIP, okay? So there are... There's seven VIPs at the time that I did it at, at, the, at the park. So the VIPs were Mickey and Minnie, obviously, Donald and Daisy, Pluto, Chip and Dale, who in French are called Tick and Tack. Right, so Chip oh. and Dale. Oh, the, I prefer Tick and Tack. Well, you see, I love Chip and Dale. Didn't quite have the same ring. Do you know what I mean? You have to do it with a French accent, though. Yeah. Okay. So they were the VIPs, and the things that you could get away with as a VIP was very different to if what you could do if you were dressed as Hook or you were dressed as Goofy or something like that. So we would set each other tasks. The VIPs can hit the children. Is that? I mean, close enough. Do you know what I mean? They get away with murder. Mickey was like obviously the the king of all kings so he yeah, could do anything yeah. um but anything. you had to be a certain anything <laughs> <laughs> that's another story it's getting very dark now <laughs> you've seen family guy i'm gonna do you, you, children you, you know, oh mini. yeah mini do i have to <laughs> <laughs> um so we would set each other tasks so obviously half an hour on half an hour off mm-hmm. so you would say to like the vips you could go off and your task in this next half an hour is to come back with pizza so what, okay. what they would do Somehow is randomly it. walk into one of the restaurants. The kids would go crazy. They'd walk up and they'd take a pizza and walk out. <laughs> do you know what I mean? They'd take pictures. What are you going to do? And they'd walk out. <laughs> yeah. And you were a VIP. You could get away with it. So you'd, you'd, there's someone would end up with pizza. You know, you'd come back with pizza and um, and you'd have a pizza for half an hour. It'd be amazing. Could you take it from the counter or from a child? We, no, you would take it from the child. <laughs> you'd come up to the counter and they'd be cooking the pizza. And they'd put one in a box and give it to you. Um, like you'd just be, because obviously you can't talk, you'd just be Pointing like like ferociously <laughs> at this pepperoni. Pizza. <laughs> Put pineapple on the pizza. Don't do that. That's terrible. Um, but yeah, so basically, you'd, yeah, you'd you'd get away with it as a VIP. Anyway, this has no relevance to the story that I'm going to be able to tell you. I'm just telling you, I was a VIP at the time. Just I was done. So you can really picture how smug you were. Yeah, literally, I was Pluto. So as Pluto, I was running around the park, jumping over benches. Kids were chasing me. And again, the good thing with the difference between being Eeyore and Pluto is that Pluto is high energy. Eeyore is you know manic depressive so you yeah. literally just sit in a corner staring at a wall and wait for the kids to come to you um, and people be like what's the matter with Pluto I've got issues okay leave me alone my wife's left me I, you know um, but with Pluto I'm jumping over benches I'm having the best time ever and I can hear this kid behind me Pluto 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 you'd, it's all you'd hear all day so you'd just keep running 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 and then uh, somehow I don't know how he managed to finally get in front of me but he goes to me Pluto your nose and he is holding the end of Pluto's <laughs> nose in his hand right which is just like a round ball that sits in Pluto's nose and when I've looked through my eyes at the end of my nose there is just a hole where Pluto's <laughs> nose should be okay <laughs> don't ruin the magic so literally just don't like, this kid's just like <laughs> 
your nose. <laughs> so I've kind of put my hand over it, and we've got what was called an ACC at the time, which is somebody that isn't in costume that looks after. They look after like five or six characters, and they obviously stop people from pulling at your tail and all this kind of stuff. But at the time, the ACC must have been busy. The, the second the kids handed me the nose, the ACC's noticed that the nose is missing. I'm holding my nose. She literally <laughs> just grabs me by the hand and she goes, okay, everybody, Pluto must leave now. Say bye. And we literally ran off stage <laughs> because I'd had this, this hole in my nose. So, yeah, I told the kids Pluto was a coke addict. <laughs> and he's, and pure Daniela Westbrook, his nose had And you can off. get away with that because you're a VIP. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> can do what we like. So, yeah. Went up to the counter. Yes. <laughs> those are my favourite videos the ones where Disney Park stuff goes wrong oh they're brilliant like Mrs Incredible's entire face falls off I mean brilliant. it didn't happen so often but yeah that oh was the God. one time that it went horribly wrong and the other Pluto story is that I was signing away you know signatures and this annoying child behind me just kept my pulling favorite. my tail just kept pulling my tail pulling it pulling it pulling it so you kind of be you've got to be polite because you're pluto so you kind of <laughs> push him away don't do that sign in sign in sign in sign in sign in pull 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 this kid is getting on my nerves and i'm trying to find the acc <laughs> who at the moment is is she's busy with somebody else there's something else going on with another character she cannot see that this little shit is pulling at my tail <laughs> and it's really frustrating because it's pulling me back yeah now bearing in mind i've got these big clunky feet on yeah I'm, you know this suit is it's 10 times too big for me. I'm not the biggest guy anyway. I'm skinny as it is already. Big old Pluto head. Nose is in this time. Ears hanging down. Kickling <laughs> at my tail. Signing, signing, signing. It started to get on my nerves so much. But you're, so, you're known for being so calm and collected. <laughs> me? Yeah. I'm massively calm and collected. I had enough. He pulled my tail one too many times. So I picked up a bag that he had beside him. I think he was waiting for me to sign his thingy. And he had a yellow Disney bag, plastic bag. Um, that he'd obviously bought something and I picked it up and I lobbed it across the park so I literally just <laughs> threw this bag across the park and watched as it went flying and this kid was like ah! as it hit the floor and so it all happened so perfect it was so perfectly timed I lobbed the bag around about the same time that the ACC said okay everyone we must leave now so we started to walk as I've lobbed it I've walked off to, to disappear backstage I've heard the bag hit the floor, the sound of shattering glass, and then this kid go, <laughs> this is the last thing I heard, Mummy, Pluto just broke my snow globe. <laughs> was was oh, the intent, no. right, this is something I was trying to work out, because okay. I was telling this story the other day to my friends on set. And, so um, funny. And what they asked me, and I actually didn't know the answer, was were you attempting to break his snow globe no I didn't know I didn't or, know what was in the bag or were you just throwing it like you would throw a stick for a dog like leave me alone go away like, it was very much a leave me alone type thing I knew it was his bag and in my mind I was like if I throw the bag he'll go and get the bag and stop pulling my tail I was wondering if it was just this kid's annoying me so much I don't know what he's bought but I'm gonna break it <laughs> <laughs> There wasn't an intent to break. There definitely wasn't an intent to break. The intent was, this kid is getting on my nerves. I need him to piss off. So I'm going to throw his bag. And obviously, it's so difficult to see what's going on in those heads. I didn't know whether he was with someone. I didn't know who his parents were. All I knew is that he would continuously and constantly be putting on my tail. So the intent was, I need to get him away from me. I'm going to throw the bag. And, you know, I thought he'd bought a T-shirt or something like that. I didn't know that he'd bought a snow globe. (laughs) Wow. Knowing the way that Disney is, they probably replaced it for him. But it was just so perfectly timed because I left the, the sta- I, I walked off set at the same so time that wow that the, the, the so snow globe I was so shocked you were fired 
Yeah, I don't think anyone. Well, do you know what the good thing is? The ACCs were, were almost our support. Mate, us, yeah, they were our support <laughs> system. And after after she did say to me what happened, I was like, he wouldn't stop pulling my towel. And they're so used to it. They're like, little assholes. <laughs> no, they didn't say that. Oh my god, please. Disney loves kids. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I just think they were they were quite supportive because it was it's not an easy job. It isn't an easy job. It sounds like it's a lot of fun, but it is really difficult to just be constantly hugging kids and smiling at kids and absolutely being even as a as a face character you'd kind of just be you had to be so careful about everything you did everything my friend the one that i was chatting to on set was saying that she because she was in disney as well and she said she got attacked more times than she thought she would yeah like especially when she was mickey people really loved to attack me she had to go to not like a hospital but she had to be seen medically because this guy came up Obviously not realising it was a young girl inside Mickey rather than like a full grown man, went up and just punched Mickey in the face. And thus punched her in the face because she's inside this costume. Happens all the time. Yeah, that's yeah, why the God. ACCs are there. And they, the, the whole family apparently got kicked out. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Well, Mickey's a VIP. You can't go around. It's like punching Mariah. Yeah. You wouldn't do that. But I was like, I was like just unprovoked. And she yeah. went, yeah, yeah, genuine. He just ran towards me, saw me, got excited, ran towards me and full on punched me square in the face. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's the thing. So you've got to remember that as, as performers, we are still people inside those costumes. And it's something no. happens in that park where people just lose their mind and lose their the standard way of thinking. I just don't understand. Why would you punch someone? It's crazy. When is that, why is that your instinct? <laughs> People lose their mind. Like, they lose their mind in those places. So and the minute stupid. they see a character, they absolutely lose their mind. Like, but did you think it was a mannequin or a robot? Like They probably thought it was a grown man in there, but... Or, or maybe Still. he's got an issue with Mickey. Maybe, maybe. he fancies Minnie. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? But yeah. There maybe was... you thought it was the same Mickey he saw over the other side of the park who smashed the snow globe. Oh my God, it's, funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say that actually because they, they, they were so, you had to be really careful because if there was a Pluto out in Frontierland, there couldn't be a Pluto out in Futuristic Land because it would ruin the magic. If a child walked through Futuristic Land and saw... Uh, Pluto and then went into Frontierland and saw Pluto there that, that'd it be me throw, as a kid yeah. uh, these timings don't add yeah. up <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute <laughs> that's not correct takes you 15 so. minutes to walk over there <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it was um, it was a, a very well-oiled machine and I had a lot of fun But um, did you ever see two characters fight Gaston and Bell <laughs> having it out. <laughs> having a domestic. No, no, nothing like that. No, no, no. no. I mean, they, you had a lot of fun backstage as, as you know, reckless teenagers, not even teenagers, reckless 20-somethings doing things that you shouldn't do. But yeah, you couldn't, never on the park floor. No. No, no one, no one. It was, we pretty much spent our time acting, singing, dancing and drinking. <laughs> Wow, not on the job on the time when you weren't working. <laughs> just Pluto oh with it. Yeah. <laughs> not not just yeah. Eeyore shoving a bottle Hit up flask. his. Up his <laughs> not on the job though. I mean, I'm now wondering whether this will be the demise of like Disney taking me to no, court for all of this so, kind of stuff. There's so uh, much on yeah, get stories. Yeah. So many. So yeah, that was my Disney stories. Good times. Good times. Amazing. So when you decided to stop doing it, or how long was that time before you did Legally Blonde? So I did Legally Blonde in 2016. Yes. So I stopped working... You were 37. What, when I did Legally? <clears throat> so that's what I mean. I kind of stopped at about 28, 29. That's quite a big gap then. Massive gap, yeah. Because I remember I th- when I met you in Legally, I thought you were about 26, 27. Mm. Yeah. And then you said, oh, um, 
I didn't. We were talking about coming out stories, and you went, "Oh, I didn't come out for for years and years. I was really, really late coming out." But then you also mentioned how it was years ago. You yeah. were like, "It you know, obviously, I've been out for years and years and years now." And I was like, "Bro, this isn't working out." Yeah, I was like, "Literally, I, this, this, not this, this fifteen minute story yeah, again." Yeah, you're like, yeah. "You're like doing a calculator." The timing's so quite out of it. So I was like, "Well, how old were you when you came out?" And you were like, 20, 28, was it?" Yeah. And and I was like, "Well, how old? That's older than I thought you were." Yeah. Um, <laughs> How old are you now? And you said 37. And I, was, I straight up thought you were lying. Do you remember? Yeah. We were in the car. And Everyone I just, does. And it's funny because people are like, I don't understand why I would lie and make myself older than I am. Like, and it's an odd age to lie about. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? 37 is an odd age to lie about. But yeah, so I came out quite, I, because I came out quite late, um, it kind of just affected. And at the time, I think I was still trying to find work and I was still trying to do stuff. But the the dance stuff stopped at the, at the audition for Disney Tokyo when I fell over when I dropped sorry the police are here to come get you sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's Disney <laughs> <laughs> smashing through the window Disney you're on their way um, the dance stopped yeah the dance stuff stopped but then I was still trying to I was still trying to be a successful presenter I was still trying to get presenting it was what I wanted to do was be a presenter right. so, um, I still think you'd be a banging presenter I yeah. think I'd be a better presenter now than I ever would have been because I'm a Starting lot more confident podcast. I should yeah. you think so yeah Hi everybody! Welcome to the um, Kamal show, Kamal with, show with Stephen Mims. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm going to do Mims's show just with Mims. No Stephen Kamal, never Stephen Kamal. Just Mims, <laughs> just Mims. <laughs> and that's um, going to be the theme tune. It's like da 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 da. da. Just Mims. <laughs> <laughs> Always Mims. <laughs> Mims. <laughs> um, no, so this is where it all starts to get quite dark because I massively started to lose myself and hadn't come out and was sort of thinking drastic thoughts and dark thoughts about what I was going to do um, and then the I crossed over the line when I finally came out which was just the stupidest thing ever because everyone fucking knew anyway do you know oh, what I really mean? was it yeah it was definitely one of those like, one no of one was massively surprised but it's never about other people it's about you it's about self acceptance mm. it's about me I mean there were years where I couldn't even say the word gay I couldn't say it because it was just there was such a negative connotation attached to it mm. yeah. um, and then once once I crossed over that line I started to become confident in myself again I was working what was I doing so I was working I was working doing weddings but I was also doing um, PT so I was gymming and, and trying to be a, uh, a personal trainer um, I left that job Oh my god! I've got to get this right. So I was working for a wedding venue, and they sacked me for gross misconduct based on. Oh, you've told me this. Yeah, yeah. based break on, another snow globe. What did you? Yeah. No, based on accusations that they had no proof of. It was just random accusations that they had no proof of. Um, so I ended up. You? No, of course I didn't. You did it. <laughs> I did. I did. No, I didn't. I didn't. Um, so I, I ended up in a two-year court battle with this. With this, what? Yeah, with Honestly, this yeah, accusations. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, nothing. Ridiculous. Yeah, 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 nothing. Because I took them for unfair dismissal. Right. So we had, we ended up in a two-year court battle, and at the time, I was in a really dark place. I'd come out, which was fine. That was no longer the problem. The problem now was that I was massively unhappy. I was because it had taken me so long to come out. I wasn't surrounded by people that inspired me I wasn't surrounded by people that were the same I was just in a world of just sheer darkness really I didn't know who I was I did, all of that kind of stuff and then at the same time I was battling this court my parents were going through some really khaki shit it all just happened at the same time and it just created this really dark circle of depression I say drugs but it's not major drugs actually no I'm a liar yeah so I was I was smoking weed I was doing coke all of this kind of stuff and but it was all from a place of 
not knowing who I was. Mm. You were looking um, for answers. Yeah, just not really quite sure who I am and what I like and, and all of this kind of stuff. We won't go, it's so depressing, it's so pointless. So once I came out of that, financially things, I won my court case. Um, I went to, whoop, whoop, I went to um, Miami, <laughs> I went to Florida, Miami and the Bahamas on their money. Thanks for that, if you're listening. It was the best holiday ever. Um, and then around... But you have told me about the court case in length and they didn't have a leg to stand No, they didn't on. have it a leg to stand No way you were never, I mean, I know it went on for years, yeah. but there's no way there's, you no. ever would have come out. In fact, morning. to be fair, I, I still stand by the fact that I don't think i was fairly treated by the the judge and, and the people that needed to know i won but i i don't i, I feel like it went on it went on for too long like there was yeah. proof of this managing director falsifying her evidence like she had put emails that i had uh, uh, apparently sent to people it's funny because i never talk about this emails that i've sent to people trying to sell stuff that didn't belong to the company but what she'd actually done was was printed the email off and changed it and and deleted sections and i managed to find the full email chain oh. and take it in and be like no this is the actual email this is very so do you know what i mean she was falsifying stuff but yeah. i still it still took a long time to win it was 2000 it was just before legally 2016 my best friend got married i was a massive i'd, I'd stopped doing coke i was a massive weed head i couldn't stop smoking i was literally going to work coming home, smoking, waking up the next morning, smoking, going to work. That was my life. I didn't stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it got to my best friend's wedding. She was getting married in Cyprus. And me and another friend had both said for a long time that we wanted to stop. Like I hated this. This I didn't know who I was, but I knew that I didn't want to be this person. So I was like, I need to stop. And Did she do it as well? Yeah. When oh, we did she? To, yeah. So we used... Um, we use Cyprus, the wedding in Cyprus, as a means to... Because what, what I found is whenever I was abroad, I didn't smoke. I never smoked when I was abroad. I smoked cigarettes, but I didn't smoke weed. Because yeah. um, you were happy? Not so because I was happy, because I think there was just something else happening. There was yeah. probably not as easy. Yeah, as well. And plus, it's harder to find and kind of that stuff. Yeah. So I knew that when I went to Cyprus, I was going to spend three weeks in Cyprus and I wasn't going to smoke. So in my mind, I was like, this is the catalyst. I'm going to use this to stop smoking. And bearing in mind that at the time I was so heavily in it, it was it almost became laughable to people to believe that I was going to be able to do it. And I know there were people, I won't say who, but there were definitely people in my family that didn't think I'd be able to do it. Did your parents know? Yeah, everyone knew. And they were really unhappy because at the same time, it was I was a massive I was massively unhappy. I was coming home and screaming and shouting. I was just a really angry, angry, angry person. And it's not a nice person to be around. So long story short, went to Cyprus, had an amazing time, came back and made the decision that I was never going to pick up another spiff again and and I haven't since then it's been and from that decision very proud of you thank you and from that decision there's just been it's just been one thing after the other I left I uh, Ian put up on Facebook bearing in mind we went to college together he put up on Facebook that um, he was looking they were still looking for people for Legally Blonde I'd recently found Legally Blonde online and watched the MTV version and fell in love with it and was like I love this show so as soon as he, he put it up I was like I need to be in this show went along did the audition met Mims your whole life turned around and Michael and you just thought oh my god who's this but that's what I mean and then from that point on it just was amazing like everything <laughs> happened and I was still smoking cigarettes we auditioned for Legally When? December yeah. so 2016. Yeah. yeah. So by February 2017, we were in rehearsals and I was the only cast member of about 45 people that was smoking. Yeah. And really? I remember, I vividly remember going outside and having a cigarette and then coming in and standing next to a cast member who probably 
didn't do this for any reason, but my paranoia took hold and she moved away from me while I was talking to her. And I was like, she's moved away from me because I stink of cigarettes. It was me. And it wasn't you. <laughs> and at that stage, <laughs> yes, it was. Why? <laughs> yeah, it was. And, um, and at that stage, I was like, I, I don't want to smoke anymore either. So I gave up smoking. And yeah, from there, it's just been, I haven't stopped. 2016, 2017, 2018 and 2019. I've done show after show after show after show. Wow. And um, so has that led you into doing the other societies as well? Yeah. Like that was the catalyst for you to Do you know what? This Actually, I've, I've been a bit, it's not fair because I haven't given props to something else. Um, the dance class, the West yeah. Wickham dance class was the reason that I felt confident enough to go back and, yeah. and audition for Legally because really? prior to that I hadn't danced I hadn't done any auditions and a friend of mine suggested that we go to a dance class in the leisure centre um, and I went along and I met a couple of girls there who were, had danced professionally and stuff like that and just through the teacher and through all of that stuff I started to build up confidence in my dance ability and people still saying actually do you know what you are still quite good um, and then I came along and you're still quite adequate yeah <laughs> I mean <laughs> adequate's good you're mediocre so. you're quite adequate quite adequate thank yeah. you well I've Thanks. got to say that like it's been a huge without blowing your trumpet a little bit but it's like it's a huge trumpet like <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it was a huge inspiration working with you on Sideshow um, and dancing with you and Rob as well mm. like seriously a huge inspiration because I see both of you guys as being much more talented than I am oh, and much better. Up. So so it was like just to kind of see and work with you was a huge inspiration. So I think I'm really glad that you did stick with it and you mm. did decide to go to that dance Do you know class. what's funny? This is hilarious that Steve's sitting here and saying that me and Robert are much more talented than he is. Bearing in mind that me and Robert were ensemble in Sideshow and Steve was the lead. <laughs> so I don't know what he's talking about. You did an amazing job. You no, were brilliant. But and you are. are. It's, of... it's a really nice group of, of talented dancers who are so encouraging to other people because I am not a dancer particularly and like even still Kamal tells me off when I say that now mm. because like everyone is just so encouraging and, and it is inspiring to, mm. to be in shows with them. What you have to learn about Amdram and I think people need to remember this is that we are a lot of people that are involved in it are still people that have trained professionally that have worked mm. professionally and just it's such a fickle industry it's so mm. it's such a, an industry that's based on so many deciding factors how you look how you sound how tall you are what colour of skin you are and mm. these are people that are it's not that they're not talented and it's not that they're not good at what they that they do it's just unfortunate that they're they try to succeed in an industry that's massively fickle and, and judgmental. Yeah. So you've still got people that are hugely talented and people yeah. that deserve to be working professionally. Mm. Yeah. But it's just unfortunate that they can't. And life takes over and you end up in a job. I mean, I love my job. I love what I do. I'm a wedding mm. planner and I love, I love it. But my heart always has been since the age of five in, in the world of performance. And I'm just mm. lucky that I get to be around people now yeah. that, that are in the same place. Yeah. yeah, and I think like doing it the way that we're doing it through these shows, you get the best of both worlds. Yes, yeah. agreed. You get you to, don't have to have the horrible industry, but yeah, you still do get all to, the yeah. pressures of mm. having to please a director and producers and um, having to the rely money. on it financially. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, and for it to consume your life, whereas mm. you know it does to a certain degree in terms, but you want it to. It's your choice yeah. to for it mm. to, and it's way more social, and you still get to learn and grow because of the people you surround yourself with and the mm. people in the yeah. shows are so good that it makes you better. Uh, well, it does for me anyway. Um, so it makes me feel like you're not just going through the motions, you're growing yeah. at the same yeah. time. 
Like, the, and the social aspect is huge as well. Yeah, like, I was I love say, that. I've never met people as similar to myself. As... I literally just mm. took, I just had my 40th birthday and the uh, genuinely, my parents had the best time at my birthday party. Mm. They had the best time. And my dad said to me, it was your friends that made that party. Yeah. And 90% of people in that room are performers, whether they, whether they came from school, whether they came from the societies, everyone had an amazing time and it's because of the sort of people that we are. Mm. And... I'm, I'm just uh, surround yourself with positivity surround yourself with mm. that energy and you're yeah. going to prosper no matter what you do that's it it's right. a very positive very encouraging group of people mm. I remember saying this I said this to Laura the other day we were saying oh, um, they're the least flaky friends I've ever had as well mm. if I say like people come to my birthday people coming out for drinks on this night if someone says they're going to be there they're going to be there there's no qualms about people like oh maybe I'm not really sure see who's going it's just a really lovely group of encouraging mm. people who just want to be there for everyone I mean absolutely. let's not yeah. pretend there isn't still like a dark side to it there's always this weird little bitchy area with, with performers no matter yeah, what because you. well I mean it's in there um, because it is, there is almost an element of competition in what we do yeah, yeah. no matter what there's an yeah. element of competition and with that you know that will bring read people backstabbing and people talking shit but, but I do not think you find that in any aspect of any life aspect, ever yeah. you find if you go into an office working yeah. situation mm. it worse sometimes mm. the stuff I've heard about from my friends offices I just think oh god I'm so glad I don't work there like so bitchy so horrible mm. yeah I think it's because performing and self-expression is such a sensitive yeah. and personal experience yeah. for someone quite vulnerable that, yeah it makes you vulnerable because when you audition you know you're you're showing a part of yourself off. Yeah. And if mm. that's not accepted or someone sees that as a threat and it's, you know, it's just more sensitive and people are a bit more, um, yeah, they can be affected by it more. Mm. For sure. The worst part of like, I feel like still the worst part of this whole thing is the audition process is yeah. going into that audition room and oh, being sure. massively vulnerable. And mm. especially if you do a bad one, you think about it for weeks after. For weeks and weeks. Because yeah. that's the difference is in professionally, if you do a bad audition, you forget about it. You're yeah. never going to see those people again. Yeah. You just pretend it didn't happen. You go, these people, you still see them next week. Like, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, we're lucky that the industry, uh, the, the society is a little bit more forgiving with yeah. it. Because, you know, if some of us, some of those auditions, we've got, oh my God, my sideshow audition, bearing in mind I'm a dancer, I went in and Paul the choreographer at the time had never met me never seen me if he had based it on that one audition I would never have got through because it was awful it was I don't awful. remember it being awful oh Steve it was terrible it was terrible ask Rochelle thankfully Daniel who was the director Rochelle who was the assistant choreographer and Hannah who was the musical director had all worked with me before so they all knew that I could dance based on that one audition no nah, mate it was terrible oh I don't terrible. remember terrible but it goes to show how like I didn't notice that I, I, mm. that didn't that, yeah, it's funny, you, isn't it? You, yeah. you remember it. Oh, massively. Yeah, yeah it's because you're, you're, like, you think... you're really harsh on yourself, aren't you? But yeah. I definitely... I remember messaging Rochelle and was like, please, please tell Paul I can dance. And she was like, oh, don't worry, I will. Rochelle, even Rochelle was like, come on, it was really bad. I was like, I know, you don't need to tell me. Because they're used to it being a certain I, way. I found, especially with our house, I found really that I was... I mean, literally. I can really. shut the window. No, it's so like, we'll die. <laughs> um that I was less nervous because everyone was my friends. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this is, so what? Same thing now. I know when I audition for the next show, I'm not going to be as nerve wracking. It's not going to be as nerve wracking for me as it yeah. was when I did my new members audition or when I did, oh, when gosh, I was the first oh, one the new members you, you can't gauge what's going to be like. Yeah. It's awful. I never had to do my new members. Didn't, didn't you? Not did you. 
What? For, oh no, no, no. Yeah, I didn't. I was mass. I was invited. Me and, me and uh, well, we came to open, so we weren't invited. I was invited by Ian. <laughs> <laughs> we came to the open auditions. If you come to an, if you join on an open, you'd have to do new members. Oh, mine was yeah. I so, favourite show that you've done so far? With Bromley? Yeah. Well, mm. whichever. I mean, you haven't done anything with any other societies, have you? Yeah. Uh, I did before pre-Bromley, yeah, when I, before I moved. Oh, London. did you? Yeah, yeah, Didn't yeah. you want to do anything at the Churchill? Don't, didn't I want to? Don't you want to? You said oh, yeah, after you came to see Anything Goes, you went, it's a shame, I didn't, I didn't know that the show was so fun, because seeing you up on a stage, I would have come and I don't they know. They are fully looking that. for male dancers for sister acts, I'm just telling you. I, I like, don't think I could handle it. <laughs> I like, I can, oh my God, you'll <laughs> be fine. At the same time. At the same time as oh, oh, yeah, of course. You've you got to remember, Steve's got a big part. Yeah, no, it's, got a big not, part. it's actually not as big as I thought it was, actually, which is good. I like that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, go on, so favourite show that you've done. You've only done a couple, haven't you? What's the favourite show you've done, if you had to rank them? Um, Sideshow was your favourite yeah okay um, one that I've done up here but I did rent in the Theatre Royal Margate uh, in 2012 and I played Mark in that and that was oh you're such a Mark that was such a good show um, that. but I was like I feel like I've grown a lot if I was to do it now I'd do a way better job now like, <laughs> <laughs> because back then I was yeah not as confident um, and so, but I think that show means a lot to me. Like that, that show mean, meant a lot to me. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, otherwise Memes. up here. Depends because different, I, I've enjoyed shows and then I've enjoyed social aspects of shows. Okay. So you could put the social to one side for now. We're just talking about the show. Uh, just the show. Maiden Dagenham. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. That was a great, that was a great role for that you actually. great for me. She played Thick. Yeah. It's a great role. Oh, really? I don't know the show. Oh, did you not? Do you not know about Mims's uh, stumble down the stairs? <laughs> oh, I didn't tell the story again because yeah. I think <laughs> mid uh, isn't it? <laughs> there is a film of it somewhere, just a small film. It's a great song, actually. I, um, yeah, and I go right up to the top, and everyone on the stage is looking at me, and I do a little bit at the top, and then top of the stairs. Uh, yeah. yeah, top yeah. of the stairs on the little Pla- uh, like platform almost. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and then <laughs> I'm supposed to come down the stairs one at a time. Um, <laughs> and I just I, I watched it back I actually stood on my own foot <laughs> how do you do that I do a line and then I move down a step and then I do a line and I move down a step oh, no. and I stood on my own foot <laughs> lost balance and just ran horizontally down the steps <laughs> Carried on singing. I didn't, didn't drop a note, which <laughs> is amazing. Yeah. You have this kind of, like, it, you get this kind of <clears throat> in her voice as she's singing, yeah. but she keeps going. Oh she doesn't God. drop a note. She doesn't drop it at all. Yeah. Hilarious. But that was it, really. It's like, we've all been there, <laughs> but I still say it. <laughs> and then, yeah, land at the bottom, but you see everyone at the bottom of the stairs, like, jump to try and catch me. And I landed on my feet to the point where I think it was Daniel I was speaking to afterwards when I thought it was a character choice. Really? Because she didn't fall. And it's, you could get away with it because she is a bit she's a bit yeah. dense isn't she I was oh, saying I God. think Anything Goes is the first show I've done that's involved stairs that I haven't fallen down the stairs uh, did you, you, did you the, saw Anything Goes yeah I so loved what it. I loved about Anything Goes for you is that you needed a role that we've always known you were brilliant we've always known you were talented but you needed a role that would show people that and I feel like yeah. that definitely did that for you yeah do you know what I mean yeah Thanks. you definitely um, stood out yeah for me that's what definitely. I like so you did a great job um, I, I need to tell the legally story with the um, the skipping ropes <laughs> do you remember oh that? yes brilliant <laughs> so we did legally have you seen legally blonde uh, I've seen the DVD oh my god a great show yeah. love the show probably my guilty pleasure absolutely adore it so that was your favourite show that you've it's, done no no definitely not no 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 I'm oh. just no no my oh, favourite show mm, I'd probably say Avenue my favourite show was Cats Oh, really? I know, oh, of course it but, was, but yeah. as a dancer, it was I was living my dream, and mm. like it wasn't 
it was real choreography. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't kind of. It was professional stand. Yeah, step, step, clap, step, clap, choreography, two step. It was, you know, we were talking full on. Because it had to be. It's not. Dance. It's not a show of substance. No, <laughs> you need to have good dancers. <laughs> 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 it was great to see. Bear in mind, Mims had been on her honeymoon in um, Thailand, Thailand, and she had come back. So that I, day. I was, yeah, I'd been up for about thirty-six hours. Came straight. It was the last night. Yeah. It was the only night I could make it, so I came straight from the airport to see the show because wow. I'm such a good friend, aren't I? And bear in mind, both me and Michael are in this now, so we've been telling Mims we're in cats, like we're playing cats, and she sits down to watch yeah, it. Yeah, I was just, I was by myself. Nobody else <laughs> wanted to come with me, so I sat by myself. It starts going on, and I was just sitting, I don't. <laughs> I, just, I, I had to text him at the interval and go, like, I know you said you were going to be in a show that's called Cats, but you didn't prepare me for the fact that you are cats. <laughs> like, I thought they'd be, like, stood. Like, I've only seen performances of, like, memory and stuff like yeah. that where they're always stood with the microphone and not in a cat costume because it's always looked like a cabaret or something. So they've just stood. I thought it was, like, metaphorically, we're cats. Like, or we're cats, but we're stood singing it. And, like, the curtain's up and it's people on all fours, <laughs> like, sprinting on all fours from one side of the stage to the other going... <laughs> Like, and I just literally, I was looking around the people in my row, strangers in my row, like trying to make eye contact with somebody to be like, am I high? Like, what, what's happening on the stage? Like, I literally thought, oh my God, I'm more jet lagged than I thought. This is some kind of weird fever dream. And that didn't, that didn't go away. I think in the second act, I found other people that I came with and I moved seats. Um, but I was still watching it just going... Do you know what, what I love about Cats? Like, I, I went to see Cats um, when they did the revival in London with um, Nicole Scherzinger as, as Grisabella. And I, first time I'd seen it, bearing in mind the two, in my stage school days, the two shows that dominated my stage school days was Cats and Les Mis. Like, we learned all the songs from there. We knew it all. It was very important. Um, so I, I, knew, I knew everything about it. I just didn't know the show. And I came out of that theatre and was like, what the hell did I just watch? It was mm. the biggest pile of rubbish I'd ever seen. Like I, if someone at the time had said to me, "What was the worst thing you've ever seen?" It was cats, right? Now I still think that the not in terms of performance. The performance was amazing, and it was at a professional. Yeah, but the level. show is just but makes it no is sense. the worst show on mm. paper I think I've ever seen. Okay, I mean that's the thing. So it's uh, obviously for, if you don't know, it's uh, uh, based on T. S. Eliot's poems and blah 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 blah. <laughs> Huh? Is it? Yeah, it is. I've is literally got the poems at home. It is word for word based Whoa. on those poems, right? Wow. McCavity is a mystery cat and he's called the Hidden Paul. <laughs> Just honestly, wait, 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 let me get this out. So um, I came out and at the time, uh, the week after I watched it, my best friend was going to watch it as well. So she phoned me up. She said to me, what did you think? I was like, I'm actually not going to say anything. I, want you, I don't want my judgment to cloud your judgment. I want you to go and see it and tell me what you think. She phoned me straight after and was like, WTF, like what the fuck was that? Like, <laughs> say Jellicle Cats one more time and I'm going to punch someone, right? That's how I felt. <laughs> Having been in it now and it's, it. it just has such a different appreciation for it. I love it. I would go and see it again now and why absolutely you, adore why, it. Why did you, what shifted? I don't know. Maybe just being a part of it and understanding it and... and I mean, it's incredibly it, difficult. Yeah, it's got such great memories for me now. Do you know what I mean? It's the first time, it's the first major show that I was able to fully dance, use my dance skills. Mm. I was leaping, I was jumping, I was, you know, mm. doing it I mean, it yeah, all. it doesn't happen very often, does it? No, it doesn't. There isn't a chance for me to, to 
to dance at that level. So it was amazing for me to did be a part of it. Did you do your scissor kick and fall hard? I did my scissor <laughs> kick and I didn't drop. Yeah, yeah, I did my scissor kick and I didn't drop. And I felt like a bit like taking a picture and be like, hello, I'll go and send it to them. Uh, um, but Tokyo. the legally one, the legally one, brilliant. So we've, we, we opened the second act with, um, what was it called? Whipped into shape, uh, which yeah. is a big skipping number, right? So we've been rehearsing, rehearsing, rehearsing for ages to get this skipping down. And even if you watch the West End version, they don't always get it on point yeah. every time. People oh, make really? mistakes; they always it's expected, okay? It's so but hard. for me, being a bit of a perfectionist, I wanted to make sure I got it right as many times as I possibly could. Potentially first or second show, I think it might be the second show, right? <laughs> we've started this number, <laughs> and I'm throwing the skipping rope around, and I must have lost grip of the rope because it came out of my hand and went flying into the auditorium, right? No way. Fully went flying into the auditorium. <laughs> no. The audience watched the rope fly out into the auditorium, okay? This, again, this all happened at the same time. So I no longer have the rope, but I'm still jumping and I'm still mimicking the rope, right? And in my brain, I'm thinking, this isn't going to work. I can't do this for the whole number. Like, I need to get the skipping <laughs> like rope. A pause of shock, like, what do I do? Yeah, I don't have a skipping I, rope. And, and the, then you just pretend to I use I literally it. pretend to use the skipping <laughs> rope. And in my head, I'm like, because the rest of them are all on stage with ropes. I was like, I'm, and I'm at the front. I'm at the front. I'm literally oh, front and centre. No. Well, actually, I was, Claire was front and centre, the girl playing Brooke. I was off to the left. Um, and I'm literally jumping, thinking in my brain, I'm making the movement. And I'm just thinking, <laughs> this isn't going to work. I can't do this for the whole number. So I literally had no choice but to run into the auditorium, run off stage into the auditorium and pick my rope up. Oh, Thankfully, no. Claire, the girl that played, Brooke um, noticed straight away and she obviously made it into a bit of a character choice she kind of gave me evils like I'd messed it up and stuff and it almost became I remember speaking to people who were like oh no we, f- we fully thought that that was supposed to, it was supposed <gasps> to how did happened. you manage to get away with I that? think it was the first or second show because thereafter for the rest of the run I had a spare rope on the side of the stage I remember <laughs> and that. We, we decided as a group that we'd have two spare ropes on either side of the stage just, just to make sure them. that if anything happened we, we were able to run off and get another rope um, but that was brilliant like throwing my rope into the audience was, I love stuff going wrong was on brilliant. stage there's no feeling like it when you truly fuck up on stage and there's nothing you can do to save it still yeah. one of my favourite memories of something going wrong on stage was Panto and um, <gasps> was, that was amazing was Ryan getting, yeah. so I was playing getting one of the Ugly crown. Sisters and um, we have this whole number where we do single ladies um, so we had to learn the single ladies routine which was brilliant. brilliant and I had this big curly bright pink wig with like um, pigtails that were really loose on while I was doing it straight after the number Ryan who plays Prince Charming comes over and we have this kind of line with each other oh no that's a lie um, during the single ladies we're grinding up on him and we're doing and literally as I'm grinding up on him he's got a crown on because obviously he's Prince Charming yeah. and my wig got stuck in his crown <laughs> So there was a moment where, and it became very clear to the audience that something had gone horribly wrong. I'm stuck. He's stuck. We're trying to, you know, this big wig's in, in, <laughs> stuck in his crown. These are all on stage. Everyone's trying to, oh, we're really pulling it, pulling it, pulling it. Out. No we, one could get their lines No, off. we ended up managing to get it off anyway. And um, the next line, I think, that I had to deliver was something like, um, surely you remember me or something like that. And I delivered it as, surely you remember me. I got stuck in your crown. To which the audience pissed themselves laughing. I watched as Ryan completely corpsed and couldn't stand. Uh, sorry, apparently someone's got something to say. Tim, yeah. more it's important. Right. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan completely corpsed and wet himself laughing. Laura, who was playing um, Dandini, she, faced she the back, faced of, the the back of the audience and you could just see her shaking like, like this. Y- you couldn't hear the lines anyone was saying because the audience was laughing. Everyone that much. was crying so much oh, and we I just laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. And the good thing is it was panto, so you could kind so of get away with it. it. Yeah, yeah, but. Um, but that was a great memory of something going wrong on stage. <laughs> Thank God, because Panto, you want things to go wrong. 
Yeah, oh, you need yeah, it to go yeah, wrong. Do you know what I mean? You? Nothing? Nothing wrong happened? None that springs to mind. But yeah, there's been a lot of times in Panto where things have gone wrong. Definitely. But I can't think of any right now. But the other thing I wanted to talk about mm. was uh, the the highlight of Footloose. Oh, um, crabs. Yeah. <laughs> crabs, yeah, absolutely. Let's quick contextualise this quickly. <laughs> so I created this game. Um, so Kamal got crabs and his game was he was going to try and pass, pass it, it on to, to as us. many people as I possibly could. And we all thought it was disgusting and like a health code violation. But, but also yeah. I wanted to, I could only pass crabs around on stage. I didn't want to pass it backstage. Yeah, you, have so. to, you have to stop the joke now and say that the crabs is a physical crab. It's a little Sebastian the Crab. It's, it's, it's an STD. So, no. um, so it's a, it's a, it was a tiny little um, model of Sebastian the Crab from... Who um, was that? Robert. Robert. So it, I came up with the idea. Well, I didn't, I, it wasn't my idea. It was something that was happening during Panto, I think. The, the ensemble yeah, were doing it like during Panto. Yeah, but yeah. we couldn't play it because we were um, principals. <laughs> Speak for yourself, I played. Oh, did you? Yeah. You were it was, fairy godmother. Yeah. Lots of interaction with me. <laughs> the only ones who couldn't play were the ugly sisters because you're the only ones who don't speak to anyone. Everybody else played. Oh, fine. So they were playing anyway. So I picked up on that. I was like, I really want to do this. So during Footloose, we found a little crab that was Sebastian and was here hereafter known as Crabs. Crab. Um, and the, the game was to see who would get crabs at the end of the show. And the rule was that you could only pass it <laughs> on stage. Uh, you couldn't make a... In fact, you must have the rule somewhere. I've, I've, there's a group out there somewhere with all the rules yeah. on. Go on, you tell the story. I'll find it. It was... Um, <laughs> so we, the, 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 we would pass it around on stage. We would... Uh, you couldn't make sure that no one, none of the audience or none of the principals were involved or none of the audience saw what was going on. Um, and the aim was to get it around as many people as you possibly could and whoever had it... Just not to have it at the end of the show. Yep. After the curtain closes and we come off stage, who has crabs, uh, you know, that would be the loser... Um, and we just came up with some genius ways of doing it. It's just it was the group now is called Ellie has crabs. Because Ellie had. Crabs <laughs> Ellie was the final Ellie one. So was she? She was the last one to have it. Yeah, bless her. It was the funnest game. Like the, the best thing to do, especially if you're ensemble. And I think it really helped to pull the ensemble together as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. See, that's why I was saying you know the difference between socially the shows and stuff like that. I think socially, Footloose was my favourite. I yeah. would. I agree. Yeah. It was great. It was great. Have you got the rules there? Yeah. By the end of the show, somebody will have crabs. Hey all, it's show week. I hope we're all excited. I mentioned this to a few of you yesterday, but making sure I cover everyone. For a little in-cast fun, I invite you to play a game starting tonight. This evening, a very small and easily disguisable crab will be featuring in our show. Your job is to make sure you are not the last person holding it by the final bow and curtain. If you are, I'm sorry to say, you have crabs, you filthy bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Rules, the crab must only be passed on stage. If you are handed the crab, you must take it. Do not drop it it, or give the game away. You're welcome to it in your pockets or bags until you have an opportunity to pass it on you cannot secretly pass the crab on no slipping it into someone's pocket or leaving it beside them it must be handed to them um, and you have to check who is participating because the principals didn't yeah principals weren't allowed because obviously they would throw them they got a job to do um discretion please remember this bit of fun and it really doesn't matter if you have it in the end the main concern for all is the delivery of a great show yes just was worried that people were going to be like no and throw it across the stage or something <laughs> like that. Put, but also don't have crabs at the end of the show because people will rightfully avoid you gross <laughs> <laughs> when i first saw that i immediately felt anxious because i was like oh no like well, so my is... concern was that a lot of people were going to be like no i don't want to play i don't want to play i don't want to yeah. play but thankfully oh no most people got on board absolutely yeah. and then what followed was wasn't just that at the dress rehearsal 
that you said that. No, it was the first. So the fir- we, we did it for the first time. The very first, the first performance. Yeah. So what I did is I chose, and I did this every performance that nobody knows about, is that during the warm-up, we would go on stage and have our vocal and physical warm-up, I would pass the crab to somebody during the warm-up, and they'd yeah. have no idea. So the first person I passed it to was Amy, um, who... I, I kind of I went to <laughs> I went to her um, I just want to wish you luck Ames and I held my hands out for her and she went to put her hands in my hand and then went pulled them back and was like no no and I went to her take <laughs> it now so I put it in her hand I was like don't make a big thing so no one knows that you've got it I was like you have to start the show with it so that was the rule you couldn't just pass it on straight away you had to start the show with it mm. um, and so every person got it uh, just before the show started which and is a then, pain because like the opening yeah. of the show is like the dance number big and, dance and number. you're like yeah, yeah. you've got it if you don't have a pocket yeah. you've got to dance with this in your well, hand <laughs> robert actually um screwed up one of our dance bits you know, the bit with the pretzel turn where you're in a partners yeah. and it's this really complicated thing where you have to put the girl through and under your arm and all around and i, I literally i remember we were dancing opposite each other everything was fine and i held my hands out for him to take them and he took one and just didn't take the other one and you can't do the move unless you have both hands connected. So I was like, I don't know what's happening. And then he just spun me. I did like three like turns or something. He just spammed me three times. We just didn't do the move and everybody else on stage did. And at the end I was like, what was that? Like, why didn't you take my hands? And he was like, the crab was falling out my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> and he had to use his other hand to make sure that the crab didn't go flying into the audience. So I think like the favourite, I think to be fair, I think our, we've probably got the same favourite crab yeah, pass in my Definitely, yeah. Um, which was <laughs> Chris. <laughs> I think my favourite one is to Chris as well. I mean, honestly, we were... It's the way he reacts, isn't he? He absolutely hates it, isn't he? He's not subtle, he just goes... So I I had the crab, and Chris knew I had the crab, and we were about to go into the scene where the Reverend does his speech, so it's a really easy scene to get We're just standing there looking up at him. We're standing with our back to the audience, which is brilliant, and he's facing the audience. So I just uh, just walked up to Chris, uh, because I made a point to stand next to him. (laughs) And he just looked at me and I just looked at him and he knew that I was going to give it to him. But, I was but like, you've got to remember, hold on, because Chris at the moment is in between Steve and me. So yeah. we're both stood and either side of know him. That I've, I've clocked that Steve has the crab and is about to give it to Chris. Carry on, Steve. <laughs> and then he looks at me and the first speech happens and I just turn and face <laughs> the reverend and just let him sit in the anticipation that he's going to get this. At some point, at this point, I'm fairly certain I can see beads of sweat falling down Chris's forehead. Chris is just shaking his head. There's nothing he down. can do. He can't move. He can't walk away. No, he he's like, anything. oh no, he's sandwiched between two guys that are like, you're going to have this. And then, um, and then, so we go to do the second bit, and I just go to shake his hand with the crab, <laughs> the crab in my hand, and then you turn. He shook to him. his head, and I literally walked up to his other shoulder, and he is in his ear, just whispered, "Fucking take it." <laughs> He just looks so disappointed. You just heard. I I stood behind you, and there's the three of you together, like shoulders shaking, (laughs) laughing, trying to be as serious as possible. That was always a good one. I loved it. I think my favourite one was probably to you because you were so trusting. Like to Steve, I'm saying. Yeah, we can't see. I'm pointing at you. Yeah. Um. Um. It was in the finale, and I literally come out, and we're like, "Hey!" And I held my hands out to be like, "Hey!" And you just straight away took my hand, no hesitation. And just went, and they were like, you shit. I think we have to give honourable mention. So, Go on, what are you going to say? I was just going to say, on that note, I was so disappointed in myself for being so gullible to think that you were so excited to see me. I was like, yes, this is the... 
My face just <laughs> dropped. I was like, oh no. <laughs> um, I think we've got to give honorable, uh, honorable mention to Emily as well in the corner when she, do you remember during the, uh, me, you and her in the corner yeah. at the front of the yeah. stage? That was during, a classic. Um, what number was it? Just after Hear It For The Boy. Yeah. Are you right? Oh. Oh, what's yeah, it's dishwasher? Dishwasher's done. We're in the glamorous, we're in the glamor- very glamorous location. Never had a dishwasher. Oh. <laughs> we're actually doing this podcast from inside the dishwasher. Yeah. <laughs> we're done. Um, we're at the front. Of- <laughs> that was really good. And we're finished. Uh, we're at the front of the stage. We've just done Hear It For The Boy. And we have a very long period. Wasn't of- I told off for being too loud at one point? Maybe, yeah. I, I was. So. <laughs> We've got a very long period now of uh, the, the stage, the main scene happening in the centre of the stage and us as ensemble sitting on either side just pretending to talk to each other. And it went on for ages. And thankfully what Crabs did was give us something to talk about. So we're yeah. sitting on the side of the stage, me, Chris, uh, me, Steve and Emily chatting away about have you got the crabs has anyone seen it have you seen it and Emily is literally like no 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 idea no idea da, 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 da. everyone's talking it go, the scene is going on and on and on and on at the end of the scene the girls have to collect at one side of the stage so Emily leaves us to go and collect on the stage and just before she leaves before you say that well I'd said didn't I say at one point to all of us I said oh wouldn't it suck if like all of this one of us had it yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. the three of us and just as Emily walks off she literally took my hand placed the crab in my hand looked me in the face smiled and walked off and I was like you <laughs> The whole time we were sat there and she had it in her hand and was just like, nope, I haven't seen it. I've not, I never get it. She's like, we're, because we're, we're dance troupe too. We never get it. And she literally just placed it in my hand and walked off. And Steve was like, ridiculous. <laughs> I was so Amazing. glad she bit you for that. So <laughs> much fun. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I got rid of that quick time. I literally, because yeah. I think straight after we that go into the number. That was the scene really whizzed round. Passed it, it, yeah. Because everyone's it on just straight away. stage it, chatting. So. What was it, the scene when... Um, Oh, the end of the act one when I came over to you guys and I never walked over to you guys oh, what, at all uh, <laughs> at the gym scene this is the gym scene <laughs> yeah. you came over who did you give it to me me or Robert I gave it to, no, Robert. Give it to Robert I gave it to yeah, Robert yeah. so me and Robert are standing by the punch bag and Steve is usually centre stage at the back and all of a sudden out of nowhere bearing in mind we've been in rehearsals for months Steve's walked over to me and um, <laughs> and Robert <laughs> And I was like, what? And it all just happened really quickly. He walks over to us. He tapped Robert on the shoulder. He, I watched him pass Robert. I didn't see him pass the crab. I just saw their hands touch. <laughs> Robert's face drop. Yeah. Robert, Steve then smiles and walks back to his position. And me and Robert are just stood there. I'm looking around. There is no one else but me and Robert. And I literally just went to Robert. Now nah, you can fuck yourself. I turned around and walked off and left him standing there with this crab. I was like, there is no way I was taking that crab. It really shook up the direction, didn't it? Was, it? Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> we started just changing positions. But also, it made it just, it was good because it made it feel more natural. It do you know what I mean? People weren't just kind of sitting around. People were actually walking. But... And the way that Caitlin gave that to me is, you know, when we do all the press ups? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah we got up and Caitlin went to, like, she reached out her hands for me to help her up. So I held her up and she just smiled. She had, and she had it in her hand. <laughs> there were some brilliant moments. There really were. Oh, I've still got the crabs so if you guys want to play it in our house. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think, yeah, I'll, yeah, be, yeah. I think I'll be joining in. I think watch. Chris can't. No. Yeah, you can't know principles. He, you can't even really, be able to think about he it. He really, really wants to, but I, can't. there's no way he's going to be. The only thing I'm going to miss not being in it is like the 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 fun. Uh, yeah, I'd say the you know the fun we had in Footloose. Yes, I feel like it's going to be the same for ours. Yeah, it's just a good bunch of people. FOMO much? Yeah, yeah I am gonna a little bit. Great. I'm not going to do it, Steve. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, but FOMO much? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, we're nearly at two hours. So are we? Yeah. Jesus, that's so a long time. 
quickly. Yep. I just want to end on this because we did start the show about you. Actually, we talked about ASMR, but maybe we oh, should yeah. end with ASMR. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Me drinking water. I want to get any pickles. <laughs> this is ASMR edition. Yeah, go on. Um, everything that you, all the the period of time that you went through, all the tough times and stuff. Yeah. If you were to give yourself, um, and on a bit of wisdom here, if you were to mm-hmm. give yourself a piece of advice that you would tell your younger self or someone that's going through something similar to you, yeah. What would you say? Um, it's got to be. It's really cliche, but it's literally be. You've got to be true to yourself, like. If I can pass on any information like to my niece or nephew and stuff like that, like you are gonna, this world is full of people that are gonna dislike you. This world is full of people that are gonna think there's something wrong with you or gonna think that you are, you don't fit what they see as the norm. Um, and the joke is nine times out of 10 is those people that hate themselves and it's those people that suck at life and it's those people that are not succeeding because they are putting humans and people in a box and you can't do that you cannot be put in a box you've got to be 100% authentically you in anything you do whether you're a performer whether you want to be a CEO whether you want to be president you can do all of that but you've just got to be true to yourself Mm. trust your instinct and trust what goes on inside you what tools do you use to keep yourself grounded and keep yourself focused on and reminding yourself my friends and family I think it's funny because we sit here and we make jokes but Mim's is is uh, the uh, i think prior to my friendship with mims and michael Your best friend. yes okay prior to my friendship <laughs> with mims and michael um i if you surround yourself with people that that make you want to do better that's always going to ground you and it's going to make you a better person because no matter what they're teaching you to be a better person i was very quick to not anger but i was very quick to be quite not rude i hate saying the word rude but you lot would put it as rude only to don't say that no because it wasn't that's not fair no but you weren't you weren't we've we've swapped because i'm too much the other way yes i apologize for breathing yes existing and i expect too much i expect perfect service all the time and we've or you weren't even rude you just were like could i have that please thank you yeah, see, I'd and always I was like, say, please, wow. just abrupt. Abrupt is probably a good word. Yeah, I think I've always given good customer service and I expect the same. And if I don't get it, I'm, I'm happy to say I'm, you know, I'm the person that will send a meal back if I'm not happy. Mm. Mims is the person that will eat the meal and cry because yeah. she's not happy. But, so <laughs> I think it's, it's good because they, they were able to, we were able to kind of balance and find mm. middle ground for that where mm. she's a little bit more. You balance each other out because you yeah. learn. Yeah, exactly that. So yeah um grounding myself is surrounding myself with the right people do you know what i mean and surrounding yeah. yourself with with positivity and and people who will like you say try and improve you but will ultimately let you be yourself yeah. but then you just have discussions about things and if you if someone says like like i'd literally said to you can i need to be more assertive mm. i need to go and get things and you were like okay i will help you with that every opportunity then and it's not people trying to improve you it's people making you want to improve yourself yeah there's a difference do you know what i mean and being able to help you if you ask them for it yeah absolutely and that's that's the good thing and i think i'm definitely i've definitely got that there's amazing people around me at the moment um you're welcome (laughs) i mean not so so much even though you've not been the main focus of the show I mean, I, in a way, I have. In that. <laughs> but a vital component of the show, nonetheless. What advice would you have 
Um, we haven't really spoken about your. Oh, oh yeah, we stuff, don't know much about you. Do we'll, we? we'll, we'll do that, that in another. another I don't know if I'm we'll successful enough to be giving advice. It's not about success. It doesn't. No, matter. It's about what wisdom you have that you would share with someone else. Oh goodness! Look at you in your marriage, living in your little house. I know. Find yourself a sugar daddy. Find yourself a guy who's got a really good job. Find a guy who likes no, computers. Say, that's say, always going to be good. Um, finding people who, because I probably wasn't as um, not happy, because I was super happy when I lived in Cornwall. But even when I moved to London, it took a long time for me to get really like, oh, these these are friends. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So probably yeah, just the same as you like surround yourself with people who you actually get excited about seeing, and you just think, I yeah, I I wouldn't get sick of you. I could speak to you whenever because we have such a laugh. And it's so funny, like. Just being able to have a laugh is amazing. And I, I do think that is... I would get very depressed if I didn't have friends who weren't, who weren't able to have, you know, such a laugh. Yeah, because we were saying about how we sort of recharge. Mm. And you were saying about yeah. how having people around you that recharge your batteries, yeah. like, such a key thing. I think I'm very odd in that way. I was talking to my brother about it, and he was saying... Like, he's, he's come down for this week, and he literally is going to have to go home... He went on holiday with his friends and then he came down here for the weekend. He's going to have to not see anyone for a month to feel okay. Really? He's the absolute extreme one way and I'm the absolute extreme. Whereas if I'm by myself for a day, I'm like, oh my God, I need to talk to someone. I need to laugh about something. I need to just not be in my head with my thoughts. And I like to speak to people and to have a laugh. It's my favourite. But that's good. Like I wouldn't say that like, that makes you odd in any way. I'd say that that actually benefits the people around you. The fact that you bring them in, bring them together and have that social life Thanks. so good okay well thank you so much that's all both right. of you for, for this I know of an ASMR <laughs> let's, let's do this podcast it's been amazing show. thank you so much thank you for coming this has been great I'm really craving pickles <laughs> <laughs> I'm not <laughs> to be fair we've not seen the pickle thing so it's probably a bit it's random it's disgusting but yeah it's the everyone's seen the pickle thing go onto YouTube and search ASMR Ooh, pickle don't <laughs> <laughs> alright <laughs> I'm going to cut it off there. Okay, love you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. So there we have it. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Even listening back to it, I enjoyed it as much, if not more, as when we were recording it live. And if you did enjoy it, you'll be pleased to hear that we've got another podcast already recorded uh, with the three of us again. And I'll be putting that one out very soon. So if you want to get in touch with me, I'm going to put my Instagram in the description of this podcast. You can find me on Instagram at Steve Bradley one. I'll also drop links to Mims and Kamal's Instagram as well, if you want to give them a follow. And I will speak to you on the next episode.